right, we're going to start the podcast now. Ready? And welcome, Diana Piacek. Thank you. For I'm probably not going to say it for the rest of the podcast since I got it right. I'll just say Diana. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> when we had your artwork on, maybe about a month ago, uh, Adirin was his name, his episode. Him and I were trying so hard to figure out how to pronounce your name, like on the air. Like we looked it up before and we were just tr- both trying to figure it out. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> it's really good art. You've been, how long have you been making artwork for? Ooh. Um, I want to say my whole life, you know, when I was a kid, all I wanted were new coloring books, new crayons. I remember I have like distinctive, you know, those like few memories you have from when you're like six or seven getting like scented markers for Easter and like getting the stamp markers. And I always had crayons. My mom would yell at me because I would always ask her to buy me the 64 with the sharpener. And um, she never wanted to buy it because she's like, you always end up breaking them. So I have like a hard hand. So when I would color, I always broke the crayons and she would be so mad at me. Um, And basically in school, like art class was always my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, My teachers were always so supportive and like very encouraging of me. Um, And in middle school, I actually wanted to be a scientist because I love science. Um, and I remember like wanting to do microbiology for a moment. I was really addicted to meteorology and like watching the weather channel all day. Um, that was actually the year of Hurricane Katrina. So I remember like following that every single day, like watching the weather channel. Twister was like my favorite movie (laughs) for a long time. Um, and then in high school, I had a, my sophomore year, I took a painting class. And after that, I realized I learned that I could paint. And that I had, like, a knack for it because I had never really tried painting, painting before. It was just, like, random art projects that my teachers would put me on. But my teacher was so encouraging that she wanted me to take the AP level art class when I was a junior, which was, like, kind of, I don't want to say it was rare, but it wasn't common. Mm -hmm. Um, And she really saw a lot of potential in me. And, like, I loved her so much. I loved her attitude. And just, like, she was so inspiring. So after that, like, she showed me that I could do art as a career instead of focusing on, like, academia. And I was an honor student. You know, I had a really strict mom, so I had to make sure to get straight A's and stuff like that. But it wasn't like I really wanted to. It was just, it, it was, you know, when your parents kind of drill it in you for so long, it mm-hmm. becomes a habit. Yeah. Um, and my mom would say, like, well, you know, maybe art can be your backup and you can go to school for science. And that's when I said no. Like, the only school I ever applied to was Columbia. Mm-hmm. And you're from <laughs> Chicago? Mm-hmm. And how old are you right now? 28. 28. Okay, so I'm 31, so about two, three years older than you. So very interesting. So you started you started young, but you didn't really know. When did you first know, like, I kind of want to do this as a, a lifestyle, a career, a hobby, kind of all of it together? Because as an artist, I could relate to this, it's really hard to pinpoint it as, like, a career versus a hobby mm-hmm. versus a passion yeah. versus an endeavor first a journey and everyone has their different take on it and most adults look at you and they go eh, that's just your hobby and then most people who are younger or your age look at you and they're like oh they're on to something you know and finding that crossover is a very weird place knowing when do you start charging how do you charge how do you promote yourself does it does it do you meet do you like think you matter enough to even sell it there's so many psychological things that go into doing something creative that you created yourself no guidelines, no rules, which makes it fun, right? Because you're like, it's freedom. It's mm-hmm. ultimate freedom. Like everything you did here, 
But can we talk about this real quick? I know yeah. I'm on a rant, no, but I'd totally. like to address this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a giffy gif. Um, I guess like backtracking, you know, in high school is when I realized I can do art. You know, I want to do this, especially from that like painting class. Um, and then it didn't see me do being like an academic student because also at that time I developed a, lo- a stronger love for photography and just realized that everything around me needed, I needed to be creative. Like I needed to get my hands in pretty much all the mediums and that's just how I express myself and that's who I am. Um, and after college, I started working in advertising um, and it was, uh, it was interesting, you know, like I would say like trying to do art directing art directing um, for brands and stuff when you're actually like at heart just a very creative like artist is kind of different because when you're working in advertising and working in art direction there's a lot of boundaries and a lot of things like the client doesn't want it to look like this or like that but in your head you want to put all these like spins on everything and after working in advertising for a while I still needed to find something to like express myself with because I was doing all these like client projects all day and I was in a stint of depression and one day I thought you know I really want to make visuals for musicians and because I listen to music all the time I love music um I don't play it but I'm a very avid listener and a lot of the times my animations are actually very much inspired by a song I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started diddling around in Photoshop and learned how to make my first GIF. And after that, I started uploading them to Giphy. And after about, that was about 2016, 2017, um, it turned out that it was kind of like becoming something um, because Giphy was growing more and more it's not just memes it was also a place for artists like me to put our animated like you know creations onto and in about 2018 that's when they launched the gift stickers you know so like you're on instagram stories or snapchat and you put the little animated stickers in Mm -hmm. there um and i was able to be a part of their second run so it was before anyone else could really put stickers in there you had to be invited by giphy at the time to put your stickers on there and that's when i knew that like oh this is Definitely something that I'm focusing on now is a lot of these animated visuals or like GIFs and present day, you know, a lot of these, this is my first animated music video. So the more time goes on, the more tricks I learn, the more adventurous I'm becoming. So. um, So you make GIFs as well. Yes. So it's both. I mean, to me, I'm like a GIF is to me is like maybe something that I can shrink down to like 10 seconds or less. Mm hmm. Um, and then I call this like my motion art because this is over three minutes. Got it. Got it. So you do a, you do a lot of illustration, a lot of drawing. Mm-hmm. Do you do painting? Yes, painting, I do. <laughs> um, animation, uh, gifts, which I guess would be a form of animation, photography, a lot of things, but not not music, but like everything else. Yeah, everything, everything else, else but music, mm-hmm. which is uh, that's amazing, and you. Did you always do a lot of different things or is that just something you've been doing over the years as you got better at one, you realize you can use that skill, talent, and uh, like research of how to do it and apply it to more things? Is that kind of what's been going on? It's a little bit of both, I would say. Um, Because even younger in like high school or like in college, I still wanted to explore as many mediums as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember I took a sculpting class and so I worked with wood, cardboard, resin, metal, and that was so much fun. I got to be in the wood shop and like I used a sandblaster for the first time. Um, I just love being creative and using my hands mm-hmm. um, and building things. 
that's why I like painting. I love it. I get my hands covered in paint. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, <laughs> and then photography. Um, I just love taking pictures of everything. It's like I have to remember everything. Um, I was that friend. I remember like walking with friends to the mall and stuff, and they would be so annoyed with me because I would be like, hold on, hold on. I see something. I have to take a picture mm-hmm. of it. I have to stop. And it was like almost every other block. And they'd be so mad at me, but I can't, con- it's almost like it's a, an impulse that mm-hmm. I can't really control, but I don't, it's a really good impulse, you know, to me. Yeah. Um, and then now just getting older because of working as an artist and trying to make an income as it and, you know, I'm kind of forced to have to learn new things. I'm yeah. forced to have to adapt because times are definitely like they're changing. A lot of jobs are now requiring art directors to know motion graphics. When when I started out, you know, in 2015, that wasn't a requirement mm. for an art director. Nowadays, they want you to know how to use After Effects. They want you to be fluent in Photoshop and all those programs and know this skill. Is that what you do right now, currently, an art director? Yes, I was an art director up until... Up until December, um, I was working for a startup that, and it kind of all just fell apart. So now I'm back in freelance, mm. freelance land, doing a lot of graphic design and flyers and um, motion graphics. I'm like thinking, you know, I've been doing more photography again. Mm-hmm. Kind of fell off of that for a bit because I was so focused on everything else. Film or digital? Digital oh, photography. Digital, digital photography. I wish I could do film. Um, I did it for a bit in school, but don't have like the resources. The or, money, like, the, the resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you would have to build a dark room, which I would love to have one day in this house, a dark room. But um, so you do a lot of things. And when did you so I want to go back because mm-hmm. I, I went on a rant. Then you explain this. I want to go back to because I haven't forgotten. Mm-hmm. I asked you, when did you first realize that it's something you want to try to do as like a more than just a hobby, but like a career? When did that first hit you? So definitely um, when I was about 16, Um I was taking this, like, college-level art class in school, and in that class is where we were forced to, like, hone in onto a theme for something, you know, a theme for, like, 12 pieces of work. Mm -hmm. And then also this thing called the breadth, which is where you, like, show your range of skills in about 12 pieces of work. And just doing all of that stuff and having a teacher that was so encouraging and supportive um, and forcing, not, like, forcing me, but definitely, like, pushing me to push myself and express my feelings and stuff through the art, that's where I felt more at home with it. And I didn't care about anything else. Um, I mean, I had options to take language courses when I was in high school, and when they made it require, like, they took that requirement away from graduating, I was like, good, because I don't want to take any language classes. I just want to take, all my electives were art classes. Mm -hmm. It was photography, and then it was, like, illustration, and then the next year was digital photography, so it was any art class I could take, I wanted to take it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew that, like, it was the only thing I cared about. And you said earlier your mom was strict about it. Like, your parents not cool with that? My mom at first, you know, because she's, you know, they come from a more conservative, like, time when it was, you see, the, you think of the artists on the street trying to sell their easels, you mm-hmm. know. My dad, my dad was a DJ. He was a musician and, like, a producer. And so he was always very much like, yeah. You know, do the art, do whatever. I mean, he was even the guy, if I got, like, a D on a test, I would make him sign it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, don't tell mom. Um, but my mom was very much, like, focused on academia. She graduated high school early and was, like, valedictorian and, like, was always just a super hard worker. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, she would say, don't do art forever. You know, you're going to be – I didn't listen. 
I, I, I was like, no, like, I want to go, I'm going to go to college like you asked me to, but I'm going to go to an art college. And um, once I started, you know, selling my art and, you know, working with the clients that I've gotten to work with over the last few years, um, she's like so proud of me now. Yeah. You know, it's like totally flipped. She's like, oh, my daughter is doing it. Like she is making a living. How long did it take that switch for her to finally say something about it? Um, Acknowledge it, you know? See, so I graduated in 2015. I would say about when I started getting my first, like when I got the Nike gig. I got to work with Nike in 2018. Wow. And I was a featured artist for them. And, you know, I got to make these custom neon signs. And we had an art show in the Sears Tower. Sears Tower. Sears Um, Tower. (laughs) Willis Tower. Sears Tower. Sears Tower. I just like Willis Tower. But I got... Columbia was 2015. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I went there. I graduated in 2014. Oh, hello, alumni. Yeah. (laughs) And then the Art Institute after that. But Columbia was undergrad. So I can relate to that. And... uh, yeah, it took it took years too for my parents to say something. But um so you Nike, it's twenty sixteen or you said eighteen. 18. And how did you get that gig? How did that happen? Um they uh I think it was just through mutual people that like I knew. Someone someone had to recommend like shown the woman at Nike that wanted me my work. And then they just emailed me and reached out to me and were like, Hey, we wanna work with you. Um and I just uh, yeah, I, I get asked that a lot too. It's you know, and sometimes it feels offensive, and sometimes it doesn't because sometimes I feel like people are like, "Well, how did you get that job? Like, how did you get that?" And it's like, people who know me and mm-hmm. people who see my work online, a lot of people will say, "Oh, I saw your work on Instagram," or the beautiful thing about Giphy was that my work was all over the internet mm-hmm. and still is all over the internet. Mm-hmm. So people see it on random blog posts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, with the Nike thing, that was pretty much it. They just got recommended or someone showed them my work and then they were like, yeah, let's choose mm. her. Mm. Just to be clear, yeah. I'm not saying like you're oh, not no. worthy of it because <laughs> you're here because I love your artwork. Mm-hmm. It's such such a big name. Mm-hmm. You have to ask when you're talking to someone in your room, like, wait, how did you get Nike? Like, that's cool. Like in a good way. Like, I, I don't amazing. take that from you in any okay. negative way, <laughs> but I have gotten it from like any other, pe- some other people too. Just like oh, you really? could just tell by the tone, it's like, no, how I'm, did that I'm happen, proud you know? of people when they do those yeah. things. I, I'm not a, um, I try not to be a, a jealous artist of anybody. I try to be <laughs> proud of when other people do things, especially when like you could see them doing the groundwork. They've been doing it their whole life. I mean, you've been making art your whole life in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Started young with the, the Crayolas. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> It's weird when you're a kid and you're doing something creative because you are told by society and your parents and your family, like, yeah, yeah, they always mention someone that was creative. Like, yeah, they did that on the side. Oh, your grandma painted or, like, your uncle did this. But they're not – they never say, like, but you can do it and, like, you should try to go to school for it. Take the AP classes. Get more experience. Try to get an internship. I never hear anybody's parents do that unless maybe they have money and they're artists too. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you don't hear that, you know. It's – don't worry, it's the, the It table. was the chair. Yeah, I always, I've <laughs> joked about that many times, like, this chairs, especially if you have on certain pants or belts, it always makes, like, a, a fart sound, you know? It's like, oh. No, I it always just say, like, that was the chair. And then people are like, of course you'd blame the chair. It's like, I'm telling you, these chairs make sounds. I'm thinking about possibly getting, like, more, like, computer chairs like that, that can, like, more more comfortable. But these kind of just fit, you know? It's the chair with the table. I don't know. They're not that bad. They just make fart sounds. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. It's it's the I mean, leather, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so Nike, and 
when I'm trying to remember when did you first you sold artwork at DZ Fest mm-hmm. twice? Yes. Right. Um, I think 2016. Maybe no, maybe it was 2017. Was I feel it like it was 17 two, and 18? 17 and 18 because yeah. it was two years in a row, or was it 18 and 19? Oh my god. I, I don't remember. I don't remember. And how did <laughs> was was that through? Esteban, the mm-hmm. raw dolls that you found out about, or I found out about you. I, I don't remember the I think exact. It was connection. like a combo of like both because they were performing that one year. Now I, oh my god, my memories. Like, they performed in seventeen. Okay, and so, eighteen. So then that was, yeah, I found out about it through them. Um, also, I remember like because they were working with you, I was following, and you guys had put out hey, we're looking for artists to join our festival. So then I reached out and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was really into vending um, just prints. I had all these prints that I had gotten made and, like, all these other things. Um, I painted some flower pots with some cactuses in them. I got, like, holographic stickers. Um, I think I just went wild and had all these things, like, offered for people to purchase. And the following year, I even sold Trinky Dink earrings. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was it a cool experience? I never get enough... I never enough time to talk to the artist because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm busy like running around, you know. So like I never know what it's like for their experience. So much fun! I love it. Yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, because you know I'm just sitting in my booth. I have my stuff there. It's super chill. People come and they talk to you, and um, everyone's really nice. And then it's like you can hear all the music around you. You're just chilling at the you have festival. A good spot. The stage is back and forth. Yep. <laughs> cool. That's good. I'm glad. I'm trying more and more to grow that and like. You know, the last year we did 40 artists, so 20 each day. And I'm trying to keep up with that, you know. It's just, it's so hard because, like, I'm only one person trying to, like, book 40 bands and then the 40 artists, you know. And then, like, 50, 60 volunteers. So it's just kind of, like, emails and texting is nuts with all. (laughs) I could only imagine. I managed my first, like, project, like, art project this year. I work for a nonprofit called Babes Only, mm-hmm. and um, we try to do so many things. My boss is wonderful, and she just wants to give back to, like, the earth, women, the community. Like, so we have events, like, all over the place, and even artists. So I recently became in charge of, like, artist programming and, like, getting stuff going for that department. And one of the things we did were, like, couples portraits for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And that was only – I only managed, like – artists and even that gave me like a headache because I had to keep track of the deposits and then you know when the art was done sending it to the client and getting the rest of the money and like I was like oh my god so I cannot imagine what you were doing <laughs> it's uh it you build up to it you know it's something you I've been doing uh over 10 years and um just between that and like emailing like students because I'm a teacher too so you just get good at prioritizing things and knowing how to respond and if you're going to take days to get back to people, just always preface, like, I apologize for my delay. It's because I'm talking to 300 people right now. Uh, just stuff like that. But it's kind of fun because it, it 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 sets the threshold, like the bar of discomfort, pain, and anxiety just puts it so high that everything else is just a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, when things happen now, I'm just like, it doesn't even... It's, it's, I've already been here. Everything else is so, like... I get now when you see parents and they're just so defeated, they're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yep. Because <laughs> they, like, they've been going through 40, 50 years of just this nonsense, bills, bills, mortgage, bad things happening, wakes, funerals. It's just it's just always something. Mm-hmm. And they're just so like, yeah, 
why are you crying about that? Like, they're just like, okay, whatever. Oh, <laughs> wow, you're anymore. so sad about that. You don't even know. <laughs> yeah. You know, when they tell you when you're younger, oh, just wait till you get older. You don't even understand. And you're like, yeah, whatever. What do you know? And then here we are, like. They didn't have COVID to right. deal with. I'll give them that. <laughs> <laughs> that has really set the bar high, right? Now mm-hmm. everything else is easy. After this this year that we're about to approach a year of emotional, mental, physical, literally physical because people are sick, distress, pain, anxiety, depression. I mean, what have you been doing the last year, especially being an artist? It's a different world to, to navigate as an artist. You Making shows mm-hmm. or making posters, sorry, for shows, like something you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's there are no shows. There are no art galleries. I remember, so last March, um, I... For I had a job at first before, you know, even when lockdown hit, I had a job for maybe about a month. I used to work for Uber Corporate and I was just doing call center stuff like basic tech support for restaurants. And I was not a fan of it. You know, it was just I couldn't do anything creative. I had to sit at my desk for eight hours a day and, you know, answer tickets for people who got locked out of their tablets and stuff like that. So, you know, it was it was very draining on me mentally, but. The comfort I had of knowing I had a job when so many people were losing it was great. Up until about a month after lockdown, I got it was part of like a mass layoff that they did on Zoom. And they fired like 3,500 people via Zoom in like a three-minute, you know, we have to make sacrifices and this is a hard thing, you know. And 3, I'm just 3,500 like, people in a Zoom? In one Zoom firing, yeah. I'm sure that uh, person who did that had fun like golfing that, that night. Oh, my God. You know, while they went and who spent a couple thousand dollars on a meal or something. They wasted no time. <laughs> they locked me out of my account right away, like, because oh. I didn't even see it coming. You know, like, they were there were talks about it mm-hmm. for a while, but I was, like, thinking, oh, well, I mean, I'm not terrible at my job. I think I'm doing pretty good, you know? Like, I help out my managers whenever they want, like, um... And then all of a sudden, it's like, you have a 10 o'clock meeting, and I had no idea. My coworker called me, and... I, my shift starts at 11. So I was like, why do they want me to come in early? And then I was like, oh, wow, I'm getting fired. <laughs> like, I'm getting laid off, you know? And it was it sucked at first, you know, because you felt, it just felt like, oh, man, like, COVID, I'm losing my job. But then, you know, I was able to collect unemployment benefits. and Which I was were able great to- this what was this in the summer this happened? Yeah, they were so good in the summer. Like They were, it was weird mm-hmm. because there was a point where if you were working, but you like had a job you didn't like and then you saw all your friends out in July, August <laughs> just having fun, making whatever it was, like a thousand bucks a week or something, depending on what you did before. Yeah. But it was a lot. And they were just having the best time ever. And I'm like, I had friends that were they had the opposite. Like they were still working and making less money than their friend. But you have to remember that's only short term. Mm-hmm. That pleasure is only two, three, four, five months. I rather have the job I don't really care for and have that longevity and safety net than like this kind of fun amount of money, but like, where, how long does this last for? I hate being on unemployment. I mean, I had done it the year before. Mm-hmm. And because if you're a, a freelancer, a gig worker, it's kind of stressful mm-hmm. because you can't make X amount of money and you have to keep track of that. And I've reported, I remember one time I did a gig for Bacardi and I had to report how much I made. And it was the thing about freelance gigs is that you can say, yeah, I worked for somebody, but you're not going to get paid for like a month or two later. 
and they still tell you you're supposed to report when you're working. Mm -hmm. But then you'll call someone and they'll say, oh, no, just report it when you get paid. Mm -hmm. And then I have a friend who works in, like, the fraud department is like, no, 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 no. You're supposed to report it when you're working. And I'm just like, do you guys like this? It makes no sense. So Mm -hmm. I hate unemployment. It's very stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for that reason, I started and I went back to work at the end of the summer for a startup. And I was doing digital art directing. And it was all great and stuff until, like, two months later. Um, we finally got paid because we didn't get paid at first. And then, you know, the my boss at the time was like, well, someone took my money. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll wait and get paid. We got paid. A few weeks later, December 15th hits. No, 11th hits, which is when our next paycheck is due because we were signed up on payroll. And when that happened, we get a call. Investor hasn't come through yet, so you guys aren't going to get paid. So I still haven't gotten paid. And I'm owed three weeks of pay, so I'm currently in a wage claim with the state. Wait, you said December? Mm-hmm. It's March. Yep. Three months? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't quit or anything because I wanted to wait and get paid. And we actually officially all got, like, booted off the email, like, last week. And then I had to return the company belongings or they were going to threaten to pursue other actions, even though they owe me, like, thousands of dollars. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And well, for which company is this? It's a startup called Smart. <laughs> oh, the one you said earlier, the head. Yeah. Okay. It's terrible. So with all of that being said, at first I felt really great, I think, like in the beginning of the pandemic and stuff. But then when all that happened, the last few months have been so hard. I call it a triple threat because it was COVID depression, depression just from like that scenario. And then we had winter, <sighs> seasonal depression. Um, so it was really hard for me to want to make any art. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to want to work. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any funds. I was draining my savings and I didn't want to do any work for anybody. And that was really, really tough because then you're in a position of like, well, I have to make an income. I still have to work. So then it's like you're even more upset because you're forcing yourself to get work done and, you know, make some money. Mm -hmm. Luckily, at this point in time, like it's finally I'm coming to like an equilibrium of like, okay, I'm not as stressed about the situation anymore. I mean, I still am, but it's like I've I've done the mourning phases of, like, grief and yeah. anger and, you know, all that stuff. And now it's just I'm dealing with that, but it's not going to, like, have a hold on me like it was having, like, a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's it's been pretty good. You know, mentally, I'm coming out of it. Yeah. I could say, like, the depression and stuff. Did you do anything to try to help that, mitigate it, or you just kind of? I just kind of wrote it out um, because I don't like forcing myself to make art. Like, because a lot of my art actually comes from what I'm feeling or what I'm daydreaming about or whatever. But if I'm not inspired, it's like blank. It's like, did you try any extracurricular things to help it? Did you try like reading more, going out more? I spend more time with my pets. I like cooking. Oh, I have two dogs Mm -hmm. I have B and then Momo. And then two cats, Hoopsie and Tails. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Were these names? Those are good names. What's funny is that the only one we named was Momo. Okay. So B, we adopted her at the shelter and she came with B. Mm-hmm. And then Poopsie came with Poopsie. And it was funny because we got him at Petco. And it was an impulse like, we want this cat. And he's so, and it's just like the greatest cat ever. And, um, he was so cute that I couldn't change his name. Mm-hmm. And then Tails, um, a, you know, an acquaintance of mine had him, but then um, they were they couldn't, like, give him the attention that he needed, so then I took him in. And then um, Momo, I named her after Aang from the Avatar's lemur. Mm. He had a pet lemur named Momo. And I always wanted, 
his lemur when I was younger and I'd watch the show. So I named my puppy after that. Got it. So you have four animals. You're an animal person. Yes. Yeah. I, I, Bo, the dog, not my dog, but a roommate's dog, but he's been here for four years. So mm-hmm. feels like my dog, but I had a childhood dog growing up, but I haven't had an animal since. And I love animals, but I also love like, I'm a very, um, I want to do what I want to do type of person. Oh, if you haven't mm-hmm. noticed. And uh, so I don't like anything being in the way, such as just anything. They're a lot of work. They're a lot of work. <laughs> don't a lot ask, of don't, work. If you uh, underestimate the animal, then you might be neglecting it. If you think that it's not that big of a deal, it's like, no, it is. The fur, the food, the health, the, just being by them. Make Playtime. sure they don't lose their mind, mm-hmm. get sad. You know, there's a lot of things. It's a lot, especially four. It's a lot of work. But um, so this pandemic really, you had many peaks and valleys with this, mm-hmm. the jobs back and forth. And the whole time throughout it, your your output fluctuated. Like by the winter, you kind of stopped making more artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the first time that's happened to you? No. No, it's definitely been one of the worst times because I do suffer from like anxiety and depression just in general mm-hmm. and um, even I have this condition called PMDD which is like half of the month because of my hormones I'm actually extra depressed and anxious and um, and because I like didn't have a job don't have insurance I had to stop taking my medication for a few months and so that's kind of where I think it got worse for me these last few months mm-hmm. um, but it's like they're the lows that I expect. Um, I, I go to therapy and, you know, I'm very self-aware of, like, when I'm feeling the way I'm feeling that I kind of just let them ride out because I know that eventually it's going to clear up and then I'll be good for, like, another few months. And then, I don't know, something else might happen. But, it, you know, it's like what we were talking about earlier with, like, parents just kind of, like, defeated or like unfazed by it because it's like oh whatever this happens like that's kind of where I am I just try to take care of myself and um I was sleeping a lot you know and I was like I guess I have to sleep and trying not to feel guilty about all the sleeping and the not work that I'm doing that's really important because for a bit you know you kind of sit there like wow I'm not doing anything and then you make yourself feel worse Mm -hmm. you can't do that like you have to definitely try and take care of yourself what if you took that feeling that switch that you become self-aware and you mm-hmm. look back on, on yourself and you go like well, i'm sleeping too much my output's not where it should be do you ever take that feeling and go like okay because i'm feeling this way maybe i will try to do something about it or is that something that just doesn't feel possible in the moment when you're that low or you just are aware maybe i'll just write it out and and say screw feeling guilty about it there's days where i will definitely feel like okay get up and do something just try and do something try and make an animation or like a gif um and then there's days where it's like it's not gonna happen today like it's it truly just depends on the day i will say that if because of the winter any of the days that it was cloudy when it was what like i didn't want to do anything which was most days yeah (laughs) it was just the the cloudiness i can't do it i need sunlight like like today today. oh my god today is just ridiculously gorgeous i feel really nice the serotonin levels are just at peak right now like it's just it's awesome right 63 and sunny Mm -hmm. and 63 and sunny on march 8th is like 90 degrees yeah like i'm wearing shorts like you see i looked like i'm going to the beach today right i'm like so (laughs) surprised because i for some reason you expect you know living in in the city and like the midwest for so long usually march is like not that great of a month Mm -hmm. or it's like this it's all over it's this uh it's a turning point. Mm-hmm. It's a seasonal change point. So you you get the we've had eighty degree days in March. You know I've been here my whole life, so you 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 know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But then we've also had blizzards. 
And April is kind of like that too, but it's less so. But it's still like 50, 60, 70, but then like 20, 30. Snow <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes a, a monsoon. April showers bring Mayflowers. They don't talk about like April blizzards still bring Mayflowers. You know, and even, was it last May or the May before that we had some snow in May? Yep. Last two Mays ago, I think. Yep, that was really weird. It was really weird. It happens, though. <laughs> and uh, the seasonal depression thing is interesting because it's a very common thing, and I think it has to do with the serotonin levels, the vitamin D, your circadian rhythm being wonky because of so much darkness, people tend to shift their staying up or sleeping because it doesn't matter because it's just dark anyway. And that starts to get into your head of your circadian rhythm, not having a good pattern, not, not getting as much sunlight in. And I, I did as much as I can to mitigate the, this uh, winter, and I didn't have any seasonal depression, and it felt weird. It was very weird. It felt normal, and I felt the winter was nothing to me. It was just like <laughs> it was like I had to take an extra breath, and that's it. And it felt the same as the summer because I tried so hard to like go against everything that I normally would have done. Mm-hmm. 30 years of experience of screwing up my winter experience and this year, I was just like, I'm getting up every morning at 7 a.m. I'm taking up sunlight. I'm walking every day throughout the whole winter, no matter how cold or hot or whatever it is. So I can always take in information and get nature and, and see things and, like, experience the world and have a new outlook on what the winter is. It's really pretty over here when it was snowy. It I remember when I is. dropped off the prints that last day, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this is such a winter wonderland. Mm-hmm. Like, the trees were so covered, the clean sheets of just like the white snow it was it like is. just your eyes too because it's so bright your eyes are just like like burning because of like how bright the snow very is very bright and even without being sunny it's very bright because there's so much white reflecting and i don't know it's like gives you a new uh perspective on weather and how important it is like around here knowing how important this type of nature is to have what we have in the summer it comes from the winter and what mm-hmm. we have in the spring comes from the fall we need these seasons and it just kind of gave me a whole new it might be like the creative spark in me like trying to find beauty and and creativity and expression and everything i see Mm -hmm. and i I got a lot of it through like forest walks in the winter and just seeing the dead branches with the snow on it knowing like this is necessary for like the beautiful summers we have and the type of plants and the climate and the animals and it's just so quiet in the winter because there's not a lot of cars and not people around. So you just hear everything differently. You can kind of hear the earth move a little bit more. And it's a different type of peace that you normally don't get because you're always inside in the mm-hmm. winter. And if you go outside, it's because you're driving somewhere. When we'd go on these walks, my friend and I, especially in the, the blizzards, there was nobody. We were the only human beings out there. <laughs> you wouldn't see cars. You wouldn't see people. And I don't know. It was just really nice and comforting, especially knowing that the little... Um, switch in your head that gets flicked when you know you accomplish something so like just having like every morning make your bed wake up at seven and go for a walk just those three things set up the whole day because you're like oh i did three things today like my room's clean i got up early and faced the day head on and i accomplished something by going for a walk so it's healthy it's meditative and i got to take in nature and like go outside take in some air instead of being cooped up in these dark rooms just watching netflix all day (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's the only way I was able to get through it, and it was fine. It worked great. So I recommend it. Try next year. Yeah, next year, I think I'm definitely... <laughs> no, it's too you know, late. It's March. It's, it's cool. You know, I think that um, I definitely wouldn't have been as bad if I didn't go through what I was going through with, you know, the whole employment situation and, and basically just being gypped out of, like, all this money and now, yeah. like, having to fight for it. Um, that really took a toll on me, and I think it's because, like, no one talks about how an employer can be emotionally abusive towards you. Mm. 
and how that can affect you, you know, mentally and how you can work with somebody who says, like, I'm here for you, everything like that, and you put trust into them, but then they turn around and, like, just don't care about you, yeah. you know? Because I wasn't the only one. It was all five of us. Mm. So it's just a whole ordeal, you know? And with that, just it just, like, led to things. And there was also another scenario that I had, too, like, literally around the same time um, with a friend and just clash didn't work and so i had to deal with just like almost like two breakups you know like it was just <laughs> it was a that's, wild that's, that's time yeah. yeah and so i definitely you know now that time is going on and um i will say just the biggest thing that's making me feel better is that spring is coming um and it just gives me this whole new form of energy to be creative and make new work i started getting into nft art what's that so nft is crypto art so you know, it's um, non-fungible token. <laughs> and uh, the best way I can explain it, you know, because I'm still new to it. I've only been doing it for about three weeks now. And it's digital art that people put online for sale that's purchased via cryptocurrency, whether it be Bitcoin or Ethereum. Ethereum is the one that I use. Um, and it's like the newest, you know, it's becoming the biggest wave right now for a lot of digital artists. Even photographers can take part. Like pretty much anyone can take part. The biggest thing is you have to stand out. Um, and it's also a way that a lot of artists are finding income in this time because there's no galleries. A lot of galleries don't take people. And um, it's just opening up more doors because there's literally these collectors who are people who have invested in the cryptocurrency and this world for so long that they have they have funds to support artists and, you know, collect art. So essentially it's like online galleries almost, like these collectors taking part in you yourself, like as an artist, you sell your work or, you know, put it up for sale, but you can also collect art too. So it's just this whole ecosystem of trading and collecting art while also, you know, making an income if possible. It's not something that anyone who joins it should expect right away. It takes a lot of work. Like, I've only sold one thing, and it was to a friend. So it's it's really hard mm -hmm. um, because I think that when I went into it, I underestimated it. And now, three weeks later, literally, like, I'm like, hmm, this is now making me rethink and actually push myself even harder to make work that really does mean something to me. Because it's not about stuff that looks good. A collector will see that, but they want to know the story behind your work. I'm learning is like a very important thing. Is the story behind the stuff that you're putting out. Mm -hmm. So that's where my new wave of um, motivation is also coming from now. Because now I'm thinking like, I want to make some really meaningful work now. Um, and actually take the time to tell a story or think about it. And then, you know, there's a write-up part next to it. And... That's where you kind of explain your process or where the inspiration came from. And that's what moves people to invest in your art and you. That's such a bad, I've never heard of that. How new is this? So I think it's been going on for a while. Like, oh, okay. and by a while, I mean like over a year that I can at least think of back in my head. Um, like I know someone who's been doing it like for like six months, okay. maybe even over. And, um, but now, like, at least for me, like, on Twitter, because of the artists I follow, it's, like, all you see now is, like, all that they talk about is NFT, crypto art, you know, drop your Rarible or OpenSea links below. Like, those are two, like, sites that host the NFTs and, mm -hmm. like, your galleries. Um, and I had a someone that I've worked with with my nonprofit who, oops, sorry, who suggested that I get into it. And um, I started, I put stuff on sale, but 
I haven't had any luck and I'm learning now. It's because no one sees any meaning behind what I put up. And mm. I'm like, I'm not offended or anything. I'm like, hmm. So this is a challenge, like a challenge for me to push myself so that I can prove that I have worth and that like value or there's a message that in my work that resonates with somebody. Hmm. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the uh, prerogative for almost all artwork like, mm-hmm. to try to not really prove that it's worthy, but I guess in that case, those are the words you're using, but it seems like when you become successful mm-hmm. at creating art, it's because someone else found value and, and, and there's proof to them that it's worth having. Right. So it's, yeah, maybe proof is the wrong word, but it's, um, you gotta, you gotta touch somebody. Yeah. In a way, you gotta appeal, not maybe appeal, but you gotta get to them. Like they gotta see your work and see what's behind it, and then, um, yeah, they appreciate it. You just gotta find people who appreciate your art. So it's like that's the biggest lesson you have to learn as an artist is not everyone's gonna appreciate the art you make. Most people you, won't. Yeah, you gotta learn that right away. Like being an artist is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is tough. You know, like not everything I make, no one's gonna, not everyone's gonna like this. But that's mm-hmm. fine because it's still mine and I'm making it for me. Mm-hmm. And for the people who hire me or appreciate me to make that for me. Yeah. I mean, someone's, statistically, someone's going to like it. Yeah. And, like, that's <laughs> all that matters. You know, it's you do it for yourself. I think I think the best artists do the work for themselves because ultimately I think it's a self-expression. I think it's something that you're trying to get out of your core. Like when you mentioned earlier, every time you'd walk somewhere, you had to take a photograph. Mm-hmm. You couldn't help it. You know, when you were younger, you're always doodling with crayons and stuff. You, you couldn't help it. Um, I can't help but try to think of dumber and crazier things that always try to do with the things I have and, and the experiences I have. You know, such as this podcast or the festival and those types of, or you know, playing in a bunch of bands. Like I can't help it. It's something that I need to do. And the byproduct could be, you know, ten thousand people don't care, but maybe like seven people care. And, like, as long as I care and those seven people care, that the rest doesn't matter to me. But usually more people care than not. Um, it usually tends to be cranky, sad, angry, mean uh, people who are missing things in life that tend to lash out and at least vocalize mm-hmm. how much they don't like your artwork. You know, do you ever get that? Do you ever get people who are just mean about it? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if anyone... Probably if, not if anymore. Maybe, yeah, I don't know if anyone's... Um, openly done it for, to me yeah. i i would not put it behind anyone or doubt if i've been talked about behind my back because you know you, you know you'll see something and that's a big lesson you have to learn is that someone might be making art and you know it's awesome but you want to find something wrong with it you got to find a flaw in it so that you feel better i mean that's like what bullies do not saying that that person is a bully per se but it's just it comes from you not being able to accept that there's so much talent in this world. Yeah. Ridiculous amount of talent. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, I'm not saying you're not going to be the top person. Like, I'm saying to myself, like, don't ever try and put yourself on that pedestal or put that pressure on you because it is not worth it. Like, you really just need to make what you want to make. Um, and the same thing with, like, this whole NFT art. Like, if you go on these websites, there is a ridiculous amount of talent. Like, it's just, like, I want to invest in all of you. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of expensive, like, you know, because of the cryptocurrency and investing in that and stuff. So, but that, though, the beautiful thing about seeing all that talent and all those amazing artists is that that makes you want to push yourself. Yeah. And so that's the thing I'm finding now, current, like I had said before, is just I'm really finding now that I need to push myself and really dig deeper in what I make and 
not make for other people. Make for you. That's the most important thing you think you have to learn, too, as an artist, is really just make things for you and for what you want. Because, like we said, seven people could really like it. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, it's, it's exponential. Because if seven people... I can't speak of those seven people. Yeah. When I like something, I can't help but share it with other people. And it spreads more and more. And I'm always telling some about this movie, that that film, this band, that album, this artist. Um, that's why I like to do this. That's why I like to have people on and have the artwork so I could promote it more. That's why, like, at DZ Fest, every artist has been like, how much do you charge per table? And I'm like, I don't charge anything. In fact, I build the tables for you. Wonderful. <laughs> Such a saint. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I realized it was a thing that food vendors who sold here are for free. Um, the music, the the artists who sell artwork, it's for free. And I'm like, I have the space already. I'm already paying the property taxes. There's no skin off my back. It's already here. I like to build stuff, and I like to just give a space for people who should have their voices heard, whether it's through image images because mm-hmm. they're artists or through uh, their lyrics because they're a singer, songwriter on a stage, you know. And I money's a weird thing for me. I mean... It's good to be compensated for work, but I try to see, like, the whole experience of DZ Fest as, like, I don't know, kind of the, uh, it's an accumulation of, like, my whole life experience and everyone I've met, and I want, like, everyone to have a space to be themselves and express it, because not everyone does. Not everyone gets that, you know, they really don't, and that's kind of, like, the goal for it for me, but, yeah, I don't know, it's, art's weird, and I, I always just do it for myself, and you meet people who talk about, like, they're always trying to figure out a way to please other people with their art. They're like, well, you know, this has been working for that person. Or I saw on someone's Instagram or I saw on YouTube, or I heard on the record they did this, this, and that. When I saw them live, they did this and that. So we should do that because it's working now for sales and streaming sales. And I can't get to that place in my head, but I see it all the time. I think definitely social media has played a huge part in the self-esteem of artists. I mean, it's even gotten to me a few times. Like, I'm not going to lie and say that I've been so sad and insecure because, you know, no one's liking my work. But I think that going past this most recent phase of depression, it's like, this doesn't even matter anymore. You like, said no one's liking my work? Yeah, like, you know, you, you think that, especially if you have an overthinking tendency. It's like all these thoughts you're putting into your head, like, wow, they really don't like you. Or, oh, man, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have posted this. Why do you think no one's liking your work? What makes you think that? Oh, because of likes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why did you see, like, do you see it go down or something? Um, it's the, uh, I think it's the algorithm on um, Instagram. Like, I, so I have all those followers. Yeah. But a lot of them are bots, I think, because I got suggested, uh, I was a suggested user by Instagram back in 2015. And they suggested me, and when the, and that was when they were basically, if you signed up for the app, they'd be like, hey, follow this person, follow this person, so I'll follow this person. And I gained, like, over 25,000 followers in a week. That was crazy. I was I was at, like, 800 maybe. And then I went up and jumped to, like, 28,000 or something like that. Now I'm back down to, like, 23. But that's because a lot of the, I think a lot of the bots and also people are just kind of falling off and dying off and stuff. And with that, though, is that, like... Hopefully people are not dying yeah. off. <laughs> falling off the app. Hopefully the bots are dying off and the people are just not doing it anymore. <laughs> I hope all these people are just dying so I can stop paying. <laughs> oh, my God. Not dying off. Falling off or just unfollowing me. Yeah. Not the other thing. Um, But... 
with that being said, it's like for a while, you know, I would kind of beat myself up because it would be like you see that big number and then it's like, oh, this only got 50 likes. That ratio is just so uncomfortable. And I know I'm not the only one. You know, yeah. I have a lot of fellow artists who complain about the algorithm and how it's like, why is this not serving us? Instagram is not serving artists anymore. They only care about sales and like promotional stuff. And that's why, you know, again, like the whole algorithm thing, it's just like, why? Why is no one seeing this? Especially when they changed it from chronological order to like just whatever. It dropped, I think a year or two ago, it dropped. It used to be about 10% of what you posted. If you had like 10,000 followers, mm-hmm. you post something, you probably get 10%. So you get 1,000 likes, right? And then I think they dropped it to like 2%. Mm-hmm. And I think it happened about two years ago. So I remember seeing it happen. And it's also a product of like, if you don't use it that much, you get less. It's so weird. I I don't get mine doesn't make any sense to me because it's just like it grew quickly in like a year, just not quickly, but like a couple thousand followers in like a year, just organically, and then it just like it's just plateaued, and I just like get none. I'm like I post here and there, I'm active. I've been doing this stuff for a decade, and it just like sits there. <laughs> I'm like I don't know what else to do. I'm just gonna I don't mean I don't care. I'm just gonna keep posting, but it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's it doesn't personally. I know for a fact it doesn't reflect anything I do at mm-hmm. all. The numbers are a joke. It's like, dude, I've met more people than that just in my basement recording bands. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've met way more than 4,300 people. This is ridiculous. It's just, I don't, trying to think about it because like, there's so many more people have been to DZ Fest than that. It's like, not mm-hmm. representing it. So it's weird. Like, you don't have that same experience. Your stuff's more online. So it's, for you, it's probably tricky to understand like, how much people actually, like, I know that way more people know about these things than the numbers online reflect. But for you, what's that like? Like you said, like a lot of it jumped from followers um, to 25,000 followers in a week. Like is it is it strange knowing that a lot of your followers are probably people from around the world that you don't actually know? Yes. You know, um, or you never met them. because I can check my insights and it's like you have followers in Cairo. And that's how I know those are the bots. <laughs> yeah. Like and from anything from the you know, the Middle Eastern like Africa, I have like you can see the percentages mm-hmm. of those are where your followers from and I'm like, those are the bots. Mm-hmm. And I think about it all the time, like I just wanna get rid of you guys. Like I don't want you taking up my space anymore, but that's so much work. You would take you what you should do is something I've been trying to do, um, just do like, you know, fifty a day. And just for the next year, <laughs> not even next year, but if you do the math, it shouldn't take long before you got or you weeded all that stuff out. Just like go through 50 accounts every day, like in the morning, just for five minutes and just go delete, 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 delete. Yeah, and Instagram doesn't let you do more than I think it's I've done that. I've done that before. I don't know, it was a while ago, but I remember they like capped me where I was doing it and they're like, all right, no more. What are you doing? You're not allowed to unfollow more people or whatever. <laughs> like, no more. Like, it was like weird activity yeah. to them. And it's like, you guys put me in this position in the first place. Like, yeah. But it's just so confusing. And are you certified on there? How does that work? You gotta... So I read... I think you have to be, like, published and stuff like that. And you have to be written about in some good article from a reputable source. Uh. Um, which is funny because I've tried to apply for it. And it was simply because I'm certified on Giphy. And the thing is, is that some of my work is repeatedly used. And it's been used, like, around the world. I mean, I've had people in Spain um thailand like reach out to me and stuff to use it in like projects or Mm -hmm. like stuff in like london but that doesn't matter i guess 
even though I've like I want to say like this is mine like I'm this person but people are using my work around the world because the whole point of being verified is so that people know that you're the real person mm-hmm. but it's not accessible to everybody no it's not Mm-mm. I've tried and I don't know I'm like I, I don't know what to do but okay whatever. yeah I guess it's, I won't do you it. just kind of gotta and I was like okay whatever then fine I guess I'll just deal with it and you know even like the feature to swipe up to get like links mm-hmm. it's so bizarre to me that that's not available to everybody is, it, is that available you? have to, you? to have, like, it is. You have to have, like, 10K or more followers mm. to have the swipe up option in your stories so that people can go to the links that you want them yeah. to go to. That's an arbitrary number, 10. I wonder why they picked 10. Uh, I have no idea. Um, 10, for some reason, I think feels like a lot of brand, like a lot of brands now, if you're, if you're going to be an influencer, they want you to have, like, 10 or more because they want to make sure people are seeing... Your, the stuff that you post related to their brand. Yeah, I got invited recently to do a gig and I didn't. I I didn't do it. I turned it down because they wanted me to post about some clothing. And then they were like, "But send us screenshots of your insights so that we can see how many people actually liked your post and like how many people viewed it." And I'm like, "Oh well, you're gonna be sorry because like no one's gonna see it. My reach is terrible. Like so, I was like, I guess I'm out. But they read me like three times." Mm. And so I'm like, no, it's yeah. not going to happen. But that's the thing that's so the whole numbers thing, the algorithm, the numbers, and then that's where it comes comes back down to is that people just really want to make money off of Instagram. Yeah. And that's not where I'm going with Instagram. Me, I just want people to see my work. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to open up more opportunities for collaboration mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's good for that, mm-hmm. but it is it is about money. The influencer thing is goofy. I don't get that that one at all um i don't even know what that means but i guess it means you're influencing people you're influencing people to spend money on somebody's brand uh got it you're, that's what you're an influencer basically. okay because my friends joke about that a lot with me and i'm like i don't even know what that means <laughs> i'm such a bad i'm such i'm like i'm like my brain's from like the greatest generation mindset <laughs> where i'm just like i want to get stuff done mm-hmm. things matter i care about people and then, but I was born in 1989, and it's like, I don't know what to do about this. And I don't care about these things, and I'm trying to think about it. But it matters. It matters. And Facebook, it's big with it, and it's and it's advertising. My numbers on Facebook are hysterical. Like, if I post something now, I'll get, like, five likes. <laughs> I like, haven't used right. – I use Facebook maybe, like, five times a year. Like, I just don't – It's I'm I, I think a lot of it was I was seeing a lot of – you know, people I followed in high school or, like, even, like, conservative family members would post stuff that I didn't agree with, and it just turned me off. I don't know what it was. I just kind of fell off, like, a Facebook. I posted on there maybe, like, two weeks ago for the first time in a while because I was like, I need a lawyer. Like, can someone help me with a labor work, you know, labor mm-hmm. lawyer or something? And I got, like, five likes, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. no one really – now the most action is if I change my profile picture. So yeah. <laughs> I know exactly why you aren't on Facebook because it sounds like it's the same reason why I'm not on Facebook much. It's because it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's chaotic. <laughs> it's and so chaotic. It's oh the God. town hall and mm-hmm. everyone who, you know, doesn't know what they're talking about is on there acting like they know what they're talking about. It's, I don't it's claim to know what I'm talking about. That's why I'm not on there doing mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm not a political science major. I have never worked in Washington. Um, I don't know anything about these things. You know, I only know what I've learned through books, YouTube, and being 31 years old. So, like, why should I pretend? But you also don't get points across that way. Mm-mm. It doesn't work. Why would I convince Uncle So-and-So, who's a conservative, whatever, that he's should rethink his his thoughts and his ideologies? Not that he's wrong, but he should just rethink it and reconsider what he's saying or, or, or what messages mm-hmm. he's putting out there. 
why would it work? Why would he be like, you know what, you're right, Ben. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work that way. Mm-mm. So I've kind of got away from that. All the arguing, the friends that have been torn apart, families. Oh, my God, there's so much stuff. I'm just like, none of it, you know? And if there's ever anybody in family that is questionable, you know, before a family party, I would just, like, text my mom, like, let's just not talk about this today. Like, can we just have, like, have our barbecue and relax and not argue about Donald Trump? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. We're fully aware of how polarizing it is, especially when you're in, um, when you're in, when you have family, as you do, that are of different races, different mm-hmm. color skins, and you're in the same family, then it gets weird. It's really weird, like, having Mexican family members who were supporting him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, do you not hear what comes out of his mouth like does that not offend you because i'm offended for you it's hard for certain people to separate their ideologies and religion and and the political party Mm -hmm. i don't know why people just love their tribes but (laughs) it is certainly not hard for me to be like no no yes yes like just because i believe one thing doesn't mean i can't believe another they don't have to be married together it's a joke that it is but there might be a mindset of people our age Mm -hmm. um maybe we're a little bit more open to that I think we're definitely a more open-minded generation. I would, at least we're coming to that. Like. It might just be also our, our, our own echo chambers. You know, you have a different color hair. You have tattoos. You have visual art here. Yeah. You know, you're an artist. <laughs> you went to school for art. So did I. And, you know, look look at where we are. Like, of course we're going to feel and think this way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to remind myself of that, too. Like, oh, I'm always just around these people. That's why I enjoy meeting different people, having different people on this podcast. I don't even know everyone's full political background, but I don't care because if you're a person that I care about, it, that stuff doesn't matter. And if there's something we have a disagreement on, we can just talk about it like this or offline and, and figure it out. But you don't figure it out through berating people, belittling them, coming out their whole life, telling them they're dumb, X, Y, and Z, just trying to one-up them online so like 10 people can see it. <laughs> And then that gets shares and likes. You'll see these crazy threads. And then a friend like, dude, did you see what happened on Facebook? No, I didn't. And I don't want to know because by tomorrow it won't matter anyway. I feel like I would punish myself. Not even like I'm deliberately punishing myself, but especially around the times of like the election and stuff. I would go on the Twitter threads for his followers and just kind of, what am I reading? Like, you know, because some of it was just you very outlandish. Like you're just kind of like, this is really someone's thought process right now, you know? And not everyone has the same thought process or ideologies and stuff, and you try to understand it, but it's like you just got to stop trying and just mm-hmm. do you. like. Talk to them in person. If you're going to have an issue with someone, try to talk in person. It doesn't work really through any other way but person. Maybe a phone call, but probably best like a Zoom chat because you still need to have that facial social cues and knowing like so they can see the intent behind your tone and, and what you're doing. And like when you say something – facetious are you smiling because if you're doing it through a text they don't know if you're smiling or not so they could be like this person's a jerk they said this to me it's like i was just kidding but they wouldn't know it doesn't work the texting uh the the errors the grammatical errors like these things add up to where you're just like i don't even know if this person's being mean or not what they're trying to say you put a period at the end of what you're saying that's like my thing if i'm annoyed with somebody i'll put a period at the end of my sentence because i don't always put periods or oh, punctuation okay. so it's like if you're serious if you i'm serious i'm like Period. Period. <laughs> Oxford comma colon. You yep. use every, you you bust out all the grammatical stuff. Yeah, that's that's how like someone will know that I'm annoyed is like if I get kind of um, what's the word um, short. S- short. Yeah. Short. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear you stay away from because that's no. that's another thing that's really bad for people's <laughs> mental health. Like if you're someone who's susceptible to 
seasonal depression, mental illnesses, even light stuff, just like general anxiety or general depression, that stuff doesn't help. It gets in your head. The numbers on social media don't mm-hmm. help. These algorithms getting into your head don't help. I was really glad. It was weird at first, but I was really glad when Instagram took off the numbers of likes you could see on people's stuff. I still have them. They took mine off for like one hour and then brought the likes back, and I was so upset. Now you could see them, but other people can't. Really? So, yeah, if I went on yours, I wouldn't be able to see how many likes you have on, like, something. Really? Yeah. I need to go back and check. You can see okay. them, like, on your own private when mm-hmm. you go, and you could see everything, but you can't see it on other people's things. It'll just say so-and-so and so-and-so liked it and and, ex- and like and others. It just won't say mm-hmm. 350 others. Because before you'd see that, and you'd be like, oh, that person got 85, or that person got 100, or that mm-hmm. person got a million. I only got 10, and it's just, it messes with people's heads. It's definitely, um, like I said, I've admittedly, it's messed with mine for a while, but mm-hmm. you just have to coach yourself out of that, like, over time and just learn they don't matter. Like, this is you expressing yourself and posting this here, and if people don't like it, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all, like, all it comes down to is, like, And you some have people to have the mentality it. that I have. Where I don't like a lot of stuff because mm-hmm. I really have I really want to like it, mm-hmm. so I still see a lot of stuff. Like I'll scroll through and see a bunch of stuff, but it, I'm, it's weird. This like confused people the other day. I was talking about. I was like, oh, I only like things like I really like. <laughs> like this better impress me so I can like it. Otherwise, if it's just normal stuff, I'm like, oh, that's cool, and I just keep scrolling. Yeah. I don't acknowledge it, and I'm like, I've had people say like, oh, you don't like stuff, or like I'm just like, I don't know. I want to like re- love it. Like I want this to be awesome. Like nice i'm gonna like that it's weird but i see a bunch of i just don't like go through with hitting mm-hmm. the buttons but um i always tell myself this is the mentality i get in to override that feeling because that feeling you mentioned um admittedly like yeah I, I get it too sometimes and to get past i just say like hey that's x amount of more likes than if i didn't do this so if it's like 100 likes and you wanted you were hoping to get 200 like hey that's 100 people that like something i did Versus no one liking something if I didn't do anything at all. That's a really good way of looking at it. That's the only way I can justify it. Like the YouTube channel. It's like, oh, there's only a thousand views on that video. It's like, hey, that's a thousand times more than if I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So that, it's still, that number's bigger than zero. So It always goes back down to the saying, like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. It's kind of where I got it from. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Yeah, Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got it from. Like, kind of got it from. I'm like, you know what? It's it's off the same the same concept, but obviously not from that show. And it was just like, hey, whether it's streams on Spotify, views on YouTube, uh, plays on this on this website, it's still these numbers add up. And it's one more than not doing it. It's one more than that person that's in their room behind their laptop criticizing your work because they don't have any of those things, you know. So that's that's it's everything's above zero. As long as it's above zero, I'm doing something, right? Someone mm-hmm. saw it. So, yeah, that's the only way I could justify it, but I could see the numbers messing with your head, especially when you start to grow. Mm-hmm. If it starts to get big, like, I don't, my numbers aren't big enough to where that mess with my head at all. But if that number got to where it's, like, hundreds of thousands or millions, you know, when you see those accounts that have millions and millions, we're just like, oh, my God. Well, clearly someone else is running this for them. Yeah. There's no way... Dwayne The Rock Johnson is like running his Instagram like messaging people back and stuff they got like a social media intern or something he probably (laughs) takes a picture on his nice phone and texts it to his assistant and they post it Mm -hmm. and he might even say like write this underneath it because think about the messages those people get like I get messages every day on Instagram I can't imagine what people who have huge profiles get 
I get them and oh my god, I I am so bad at Instagram like DMs because I get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm naturally I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. I like this. I'm probably gonna be so tired after this conversation because just like interacting with people is a lot of energy. Yeah, I'm and... sweating usually after these podcasts. <laughs> my back is like soaked. I'm like hot because you're here for three hours just going at it, locked in. I have I have a question to ask you though mm-hmm. because I, you're onto something. But I have two questions to ask mm-hmm. you. Um, do you feel like responsible for always responding to everything that comes your way? I'd say about 90% of it. Yeah. And my next question is, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm intruding. No. Do, are people inappropriate to you on Instagram in any way? Especially guys, because you're a woman and you're an artist and mm-hmm. you have enough followers and you make cool stuff like does that ever become a thing? Well, I do get a lot of uh, spam porn bot DMs. Yeah, I do too. I just delete those. I deleted five early. Today. It's like every day I it's look and day. it's like one request, you know, and because I have it set up where if you don't follow me or if I don't follow you, you have to request to message me. Yeah. And so it's like one new request. And I'm like, okay, who is this? And it's like HTW, like HTTP, like hot ladies, like something, something. And I'm like, why you guys gotta just leave me alone and i swear it's been about every day for the last like two weeks i don't understand (laughs) it and i'm just like delete delete but in terms of like um not that i can remember and if it has happened it's so uncommon for me like i don't really get i get some i've gotten like men who will say stuff like you're so beautiful let's meet up or whatever and it's like oh thank you and it's like the short thank you where i'm just like oh thank you i i I literally (laughs) do this thing yeah period where (laughs) i don't like leading people on like i am very aware of how people will read into everything you say now and do so like even the emoji choices are very specific Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. um and, yeah, if, like, men compliment me or tell me that, like, I'm beautiful and stuff, I'm usually just like, oh, thank you, appreciate it, like, thank you, like, I'm just very cordial and, like, cool. Sure. Like, I don't flirt online. Right. I never really have, I've never been, like, an online flirt, even, like, with Esteban, you know, like, nope. <laughs> I, Because yeah. I, I, I'm an awkward person. I'm also not good at flirting, <laughs> so it's just. <laughs> I don't know how to flirt either. <laughs> Maybe it's because we're weird creative people yeah that's probably when you said introverted i was like really mm. you're an artist who's introverted i never heard of that one before right <laughs> it's only everything i've ever heard i just want to huddle at home and hang out with my pet like i love just being at home watching re-watching run, reruns or whatever mm-hmm. cooking dinner and like hanging out with my pets and like hanging out with myself i love hanging out with myself i used to not um for a while i think like earlier in college i had a hard time doing it but hanging out like alone mm-hmm. because I always had to go out and hang out with some friends. Like, That's pretty normal like, though at that age. Now I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> now well, COVID just, made it to where no one wants to do it. COVID was almost like a little blessing in disguise for introverts. <laughs> it was just like, Oh, I don't have an excite. Now it's like, I had an excuse to be like, Oh, COVID can't go like COVID. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. We're going to stay home. My excuse was just, I'm busy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> With, you know, and then with some of the DMs that I get, um, I get, like, you know, like, the ones I don't feel responsible responding to, but I do sometimes are the reactions. So, mm-hmm. if you post a story and it's, like, someone reacted with, like, hard eyes mm-hmm. or, like, the fire, it's, like, I think this is a compliment, but, like, do I have to say thank you back? It, I don't know. It's sometimes like, you just, like, thumbs up their hard yeah. eyes. The hard eye one is tricky because, like, 
I've been trying to do less of those because at first I was doing them and I was like, wait, how is this person perceiving? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're doing to a, a woman, like mm-hmm. a female uh, account, even if you're like, I just like what they posted. Yeah. And you're like the hard eyes. It's tricky. Cause then like the hard eyes and the heart are just so tricky depending on the context of it all. Cause I'll get them too from men and women. And it, it's so funny. Like if I post something that's like cute it's just always like all my female friends like sending hearts and no guys care when it's something like when it's just something like uh sentimental and like emotional it's mm-hmm. so funny it's always like the same thing over and over again but like the heart eye thing is i'm like you know what i think i'm gonna try to stick to like unless i know them mm-hmm. and they know i'm just like being facetious goofy whatever yeah i'm gonna try to stick to like thumbs ups and like smileys like that's, that's it. what i'm telling you it's like the emoji thing is like it's weird it's you such gotta a be thing careful now. with them because you don't know how someone's gonna perceive it especially if like, they're always getting them because mm-hmm. like if you don't if you post something and you don't get a lot and someone gives you a hard eye it might mean one thing but if you post something and you get and it's something that gets hundreds and hundreds of likes and you might get like 10 responses on instagram and they're all hard eyes then you might start getting annoyed with that and like so it might mean something different to you than it does to somebody else Mm -hmm. it's weird and i'm sure from a man to a woman it's the most um challenging thing yeah it definitely is because i mean even i've gotten hard eyes from like from males and you know i'm just like i don't know how i want to read this today Mm -hmm. you know like oh thank again then i just go to the thank you Mm -hmm. like very or are, are you overthinking it? Is that just what everyone does now? Is it just normalized to like when you like someone, you just hard eyes it? It's just a heart. Like even messaging when I when I message people like you on Instagram, uh, artists to come in, guys and girls, a lot of people just anybody just hearts. They heart stuff. Like you know, yeah. I don't know. It's just if it's someone I don't know, that's where I question like, what do you? Mm. So that's where the you difference is. If I know you and you're doing, them, I'm like, oh hey, what's up, bud? Like yeah. it's awesome. But then if it's like a male that I've never, like, even talked to or interacted before, um, I'm just kind of, like, okay. Like, because I've gotten asked to, like, do you have a boyfriend? Like, straight up, though, that's an inappropriate DM that I get, like, right yeah. away from somebody is, like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? And it's, like, what is it to you? Mm-hmm. I don't know who you are. Um, mm-hmm. But those are, like, far and few. Like, it doesn't yeah. really happen often. So I've I never been asked that. that. <laughs> I've never been asked if I have a boyfriend. <laughs> that doesn't happen. It's, it's, I'm sure it's much trickier for women. I mean, it's something I like to ask female artists when I have the opportunity to talk to them because it's something I'm fully aware of being on the other end of it, well, being a man, and being on a, the side of things where people do message me as well, um, trying to think of how to handle it. And But a lot of times it's just compliments, just nice things, and, you know, it's 99% of the time it's good. Again, being a white man, it's, or as I like to joke, perceived white man because I'm half Mexican. <laughs> it's always like uh, I just... No, it doesn't scare me. I don't feel threatened by anything. Um, so I always wonder what it's like to be on the other end of it. When you're just trying to make something creative and put it out there and spread your work, like you, what you do as a person, and people kind of using that, uh, you're being vulnerable, you know, when you do that. When you create something that comes out of your mind, you put it onto the ether, you're being, you're showing people your true self. And when someone takes advantage of that, it's really rough. And it's, you know, something I never want to do. I try to never think about, you know, working with female artists all the time. I try to always keep it at that no matter what. And it becomes tricky because a lot of guys have a hard time with that. And, you know, they'll ask, like, oh, you, you, you always meet a bunch of women. Like, what's that like? I'm like, I try not to think about it. It's female students, female friends, artists, musicians, bands, thousands of them. I'm just like, I try to just see them 
as that person, as who they are, which mm-hmm. is a woman who creates art. Like, that's it. And it just takes it takes a lot of diligence and thinking. You have to think about it. it takes it sounds dumb. It sounds weird. It sounds it might even sound creepy. Like it takes practice to be like, don't do that. Yeah. Like don't say that thing, you know? I mean, that's great though. Like that you are very self aware and you are actively you don't want to disrespect anyone no. or make them feel uncomfortable because you love working with all types of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely is heard of. I've heard many stories you know, of male artists taking advantage of women. Huh. And it's it's tough for us because it's like, why can't you guys just be colleagues? Why can't you just mm-hmm. be straight up peers? Why do you have to be creeps? It takes effort. Mm-hmm. It takes how ha- Because think about it. If you're a weird, a weirdo, I'm going to generalize here. If you're a weird person who's into creating stuff and that's what you've done your whole life and you meet someone that you think is beautiful and they do creative stuff too you're like man it's a win like that's what i like so it takes so much effort to be like no but that's a colleague that's a friend that's someone that i'm maybe even paying to do this or maybe that's just someone i'm collaborating with and like they're trying to interface with the world and put their creativity out there and they've been bothered by guys their whole life so you don't want to be that person to them and it just it takes inward thinking it takes discipline mm-hmm. it sucks because it just it just takes discipline you got to be on top of it you can't you never want to be that person that does that. And you realize how important it is. Like, what if that was your sister or your cousin or, or, or your daughter that was finally breaking out into the world, finally getting followers, finally showing the world what she's been working on for 10, 20 years. And other and you're, and like other guys are doing that to her, not giving her the opportunity. So I try not to ever even come close to it. Like, I don't yeah. even want to think about it, you I don't know? I think a lot of males or you know anyone that wants to take advantage of somebody they don't think they think that way and it's like you wish they would wishful thinking right but it's like think about if this happened to someone you knew that you really cared about Mm -hmm. you know but not everyone goes there right away it's hard you have to override evolution you have to Mm -hmm. override your your sex drive really Mm -hmm. and it's hard it takes time it takes discipline it's you know when you're working with people and they're most vulnerable places like they're creating music you're recording them they're telling the world you're the medium for them telling the world what they do and it's like it's hard it takes practice and takes just being respectful and it also helps to share that information with other men in your life like i Mm -hmm. try to my best i try to always without sounding you know rude to any people i know but whenever i hear guys not think this way or talk i try to like well just think about it imagine if that was your mom or your sister your daughter like you know, think about it. Like, not every woman wants to be bothered like that. And you, most of the time, you'll know if they do. If they show that they're interested in you, then it's like, yeah, I, then I you just, can go to that path. Why you know? do you got to try that hard? Like, they'll <laughs> tell you if they're interested, you know. It's like being catcalled. It's just, I never like, understood that. Oh, my God. It's just, there's catcall on social media. There's catcall on the street. Give like, me an example of catcall on social media, because... I don't get cat calls on social media. If cat, I did, I don't even care. Cat calls are those very unsolicited DMs okay. or messages that you don't want to get. Yeah, like dick pics. Yeah, I've totally gotten unsolicited. <laughs> I get told by your face. You're just like getting quieter and quieter. I remember one time, um, like I woke up to one and I didn't know what the phone number was or anything. And I was just like, I messaged back like, who? the fuck are you like yeah. what are you doing like i don't understand where i gave you the impression that this was okay slash like who are you to just message someone Is that a like felony? that i i you know i don't know i don't know if it's a felony unless you're like sending it out to other people 
or if it's like the age thing. Huh. I wonder what it is if you're should both be. overage, but the person didn't ask for it. I should be able it's to report gotta it. It's got to be a felony. <laughs> it's, I didn't know that was such a thing until the last few months because I live under a rock. I live under this table. And I've only just the more I talk to women about this, I try to be open with it and I try not to pry, but I believe women have just a different insight on interfacing with this existence because of the power dynamic and being preyed on by men, you know? So yeah, even if a woman sent me the opposite of a dick pic, Mm -hmm. uh, pussy pic, I don't know what you call that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing yet, but uh, yeah, it's gotta be a thing. But like that wouldn't do anything to me. Like, it, like, you know what I mean? Because, like, that's, that's not threatening to me. I'm not threatened by that. And it doesn't freak me. It'd be weird. I'm like, okay, what's this about? Mm-hmm. I guess if it happened all the time, like, could people stop doing this? But um, it just doesn't mean the same as it does to a man to a man. It just, it's, men are scary. I don't, men are scary. They're scary. Like, I remember one time I was at a Royal Doll show in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was, I was walking with Nico's girlfriend um, down the street, and this guy literally opened his car he was driving in his car leaned out of his car leaned out of his car door <laughs> i was like go back leaned out of his car door and was like hey yo girl let me lick that pussy and like shouted it as his car was going his door was open and he was leaning out of it imagine if he hit something oh uh, he just i just couldn't believe the lengths that this guy went to just to violate mm-hmm. my space and yeah. my energy that's what it that's what it feels like it just feels violating it mm-hmm. feels like you're intruding into my space and you're making me feel very unsafe and uncomfortable because there's so much history of men just doing that and yeah you can't walk on the street man when it gets hot outside it's like stressful it happens a lot it's, to it's, you. it's stressful yeah because i'm walking my dogs you know and it's like you just see the 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 cars driving by and they're just like like following you as their car is going or making like like weird noises like cat calling literally <sighs> And it's happened to me during the summer. Like, it happens every summer. It's like, wow, why can't I just dress for it like it's 100 degrees outside? Mm-hmm. Why can't I just wear shorts and a tank top and that just be normal? But yeah. men just, I don't understand it. I don't understand the impulse there to to do that to a woman. It's a taught, it's a learned and taught thing. So, like, I don't, my dad was never like that. My brother's not like that. My, uh, like, uncle, people, the men I grew up with weren't like that. And I'm not like that. And most of the people, like, the men I surround myself are not like that. So that's why I'm, like, such under a rock about it. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, people do that? What's wrong with them? Like, they have no respect for humans. Like, Mm-mm. forget gender. They have no respect for humans. Because not only are you disrespecting the person you're doing that to, but you're disrespecting yourself and your parents that raised you. Like, there's so many things that's going on that, like, it's beyond just, like, hurting. That's important. That's kind of, like, the superficial thing you see. Like, on the surface, you're disrespecting that woman you're doing it to. But, like... What's going on in your world? Like, what woman wants to marry you if that's how you treat people? Would you do that to your daughter, you you know? Yeah. Like, uh, it's a learned thing. It goes, when it goes, um, like, not undiagnosed, but it goes on, when when people aren't speaking about it and you do it your whole life in high school, junior high, high school, college, and no one else, no one tells you don't do it, that's what you learn. It's what you think. That's what society told you to do. Women want it. It's like, women want a man that's probably... If there, if it's a straight woman, she probably wants a man that's just like capable. Just like, I feel like men and women want the same thing out of each other. We just have different 
sexual organs. Organs and then like the, <laughs> you know? the ways of getting what we want out of each other. But we sh- you want someone like, who's nice, mm-hmm. stable, polite, capable, forward thinking, has a job, can take care of themselves. I want women. I don't want a woman who's just like isn't doing anything and doesn't want to take care of themselves and doesn't think they're capable of something. So like, why why in the world would why would they want to be catcalled? Like, like why would that work? I always ask myself that question. Like, in what world did this work for you? When has this worked for you? It never works. Why would it work? Yeah. Like, what kind of woman goes, you know, that guy just yelled at me and told me to show him my tits. So now I want to go on a date with him tonight. <laughs> you know? I just, I, yeah. It's, you never, I, I never understood the impulse. No. I mean, if anything, though, like I said, it just creeps me out. And it makes me want to carry, like, a self-defense weapon with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With, like, sex trafficking and stuff like that. It's just really scary being a female or, like, a woman identifying, you know, female-identifying person, even non-binary, just anybody that sticks out and somebody just wants to harass you mm-hmm. and give you these, like, creepy, like, comments and stuff like that. Also, today's International Women's Day. Yay! <laughs> March but, 8th, 2021. Mm-hmm. Nice. But, yeah, it's just something that's super uncomfortable. And being an artist, I feel like... Because we have to put ourselves out there more, especially me, like, I have to put myself out there more than I really want to. You know, I wish I could just be at home every day and not really have to worry about this stuff, but I have bills to pay and I need to make sure that I can also provide myself work that can fulfill that. And um, you you get into that web of, like, being a popular female artist or, like, being a very attractive female artist, so then you get all the creeps to come at you. But... The beautiful thing I feel like is right now we're at a time of, um, you know, sex workers and like sexual liberation and a lot of women are making an income now doing sex work and but they're calling the shots, you know, like there's the apps like OnlyFans and even like Patreon and stuff like that where women are using that. And I mean, I have a lot of friends that are doing it and they love it. Um, I've heard, yeah, they get creepy messages from men, but they're able to be like, no, bud. No, mm-hmm. you can't ask for more than what I'm providing you. Like, they're yeah. still calling the shots yeah. in that. And I think that the, this time and then just even going forward, like, people are just getting more empowered. And not saying, like, less afraid that a man is going to assault them or harass them, but definitely less afraid to be themselves than probably, like, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Where slut-shaming was just the hugest thing, and, like, now it's, like, no, girl, do you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what size you are. Do whatever you want, but still protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah, protect yourself. Yeah, I don't get – I never got the slut-shaming thing ever. Even in, like, high school when, like, people would say about girls, I'm just like, but you're sleeping with a bunch of girls. It's like I don't – Double well, standard. I yeah, don't understand no, the double I mean, standard. I mean, I wasn't sleeping with anybody, mm-hmm. so I had a good <laughs> – I had a good middle ground <laughs> yeah. to, like, go both ways and be like, no, screw you, screw you. You're both sleeping with too many people or you're both not sleeping with enough, like – you know, like, I, yeah, it was just weird. It's you just, have a problem. You're mad about something. And you need to go take that somewhere else. Like, that. at the end of the day, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's just, you're upset about something, and you're taking it out on me. Mm-hmm. You need to go address that. Yeah. It's weird. It's tricky, <laughs> too, because, like, there's, like, online dating, mm-hmm. and there's a social media, and they're both, like, digital apps. They have a lot of the same functions and features, and... It's really weird to like be have them be separate from each other, especially when you're like single and just trying to navigate these things. And 
it's weird to you have to remember that like social media is not a dating app like you're not supposed to be on there trying to like find someone you you can like notice trends of like two single people just constantly liking each other stuff eventually they might be like they should just message each other mm-hmm. that's i mean that's that's kind of like the the virtual thing of you went to an art gallery and you saw a woman there then you went to another one you kept seeing her, and then every time you went somewhere over the course of you just kept seeing them like you know what I keep seeing you. Want to go on a date or mm-hmm. something? Or same bars or same concerts or same shows. This is not the new virtual way of that. But because you can't see the person's demeanor, like how are they acting when they see you? Are they smiling and they wave? You know, you don't have that. So now it's like so weird to know like what people's intents are through social media. It's blurry. And that's why like I, I try to stay away from all of it and just mm-hmm. like talk to people in person because you just don't know. You no. never know when people are trying to do, what they're trying to get away with. It's got to be really hard for female artists. And you mentioned earlier, like, female artists that are on the more attractive side, mm-hmm. ones that are more comfortable with showing more skin while they're just being artists. Are they getting likes because of that? Is that leading to why their popularity is going? Like, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe, it's yes, tricky. no. It's tricky, right? I mean, I notice if I post a selfie, I get way more likes than my art does. Yeah. So... And I know a lot of a lot of my colleagues notice that. Yeah. It's like, why when I work and pour my soul into this thing, but I'll spend ten minutes to take a picture of myself and you guys seem to appreciate that way more. But then I also realize that the app pushes your pictures way more than mm-hmm. it pushes the art because I'll look at the insights and I'll see the reach and that's like how many people that the app forwarded my post to. And it's like Instagram sees a face or something, and then they're like automatically like, yeah, that's a face. Mm-hmm. We want people to like the face and not this digital drawing a or like rendering. Yeah. No, 100%. My, the most likes I get are always when it's my face or it seems like my face or like just like a band, like other people's faces, mm-hmm. but not like anything that's not art. I mean, if it's just art and not anything besides people's faces, it gets way less when it's just art. It's annoying. Yeah. I started using this app called Ello. And um, it's like another art app. It's almost like Tumblr combined with Instagram-ish. It's not really meant for social networking, but it's for online art and Mm. for artists of all kinds to pretty much just share their art and people can like it. And that's it. And then, you know, there's artist invites. Like, there's, like, contests you can enter, like, a lot of brands, even like Snapchat was part of that for one second, like Coca-Cola, Pabst Blue Ribbon, they'll post contests and anyone that's in the app can see that and then submit their work to the contest. Mm, that's cool. So that's an app I've been trying to be active on using because the way Instagram's going, like I think I saw something a few weeks ago where it was saying that they're testing a feature where you can't share other posts in your stories. Why would they do that? I'm, That's because, such a great feature. Because I, I think there's two reasons. Well, two reasons that kind of mesh into one, which is one is people were complaining that they were seeing too many posts in people's stories as opposed to, I don't know, what they were eating that day, like live, you know? And um, I think that because of the riots that recently happened at the Capitol and then also just with the summer and Black Lives Matter and this whole ordeal between two sides spreading misinformation – um, not saying any, either side like that. Let me say that wrong. But misinformation was being spread by people, and um, I think that that was another thing that they were just kind of like, we need to stop letting people do that. But I feel like taking the posts out of the story is not the way to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe instead of caring about like, I don't know, a woman 
wearing a bikini and taking her post down, you should probably target the false things that are being said instead. Like, I feel like the priorities of Instagram are just totally, and Facebook, I mean, they're owned. Now they're merging Messenger with your DMs, I think, or something like that I saw recently. Yeah, they're just trying to make them the same app altogether, just one. It's a hot mess. I, it's, I don't even know how long it's going to last for because Facebook's already just, it's hated by everybody. Like, I don't know anybody who likes it besides people that are collecting Social Security. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. my parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it should be called, the uh, Social Security app. I miss the good old days where I would just play Farmville and it would <laughs> just be like. I just miss when you would just like share something with your friends and make like a Facebook event for like a show and everyone went and it was just simplified. <laughs> and now it's like paid ads and getting into that territory and. Someone shared an article that had a catchy headline and then it created a, you know, 138 comment thread, 600 likes. 50 shares goes viral and it's just a hot mess like that's i'm just so sick and tired of that's it. why i'm moving that's why i started using elo more um was because i know that pressure's on there mm. it's almost just like an online portfolio but people can like it you can get followers kind of like like you said tumblr yeah it, it, it feels tumblr like a stop? tumblr tumblr's still around um i almost wouldn't even doubt if it made a comeback because of the way instagram is why did going. it lose its traction i feel like it fell off instagram i think oh instagram because a lot of artists were using Tumblr. Oh, and Pinterest. Pinterest. This makes sense now. Yeah. Capitalism. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it and hate it. It's such a shame. <laughs> it's such a shame because, like, in an ideal world, it works so well. But the world's not ideal. Mm-mm. <laughs> People are greedy. People are evil. You know, in an ideal world, having an incentive behind money to grow works really well until you have Facebook and, and Amazon and Apple and Google, and ExxonMobil, and so on. <laughs> like, then Tesla. it becomes problematic. And Tesla. <laughs> uh, it becomes problematic. Um, people shouldn't have that much money. If you do, the people on the bottom clearly are not being paid well enough. Not at all. No. It's it's almost insane to think about. Like, when we were younger, we didn't think about those things until you started actually making money and realizing that, hey, I only made 35 k this year, but why are my tax rates higher than someone that made, like, Two billion. Where does that calculate? Shouldn't the person that makes more money have to give the more most back? Like I don't understand that. You know, it's it's people and it's money and it's it's about who you know when you're in when you're in politics and you're in Washington and you know the right people and mm-hmm. you know it scales up. Like think about the time you you got a hookup from a friend because you just knew them. Now imagine you're both billionaires and then your one friend's a politician high up in the Democratic Party and because you're trying to do X, Y, and Z and they're trying to get something passed, they'll let you slide on something. It's the same thing. It just scales up tenfold because people are people and you're not going to throw your friend under the bus. You're going to hook them up because you guys been doing, you've been working together for 20 years and it's just like what you do in Hollywood or in Hollywood. Well, happens in Hollywood too, but happens in Washington. You see a lot. And um, nepotism, mm. you know, nepotism, whether it's family, friends, it's a, it's a problem. I don't know any way around it because it's kind of like human nature. You you have your tribe and you you help out who you know and they're mm-hmm. just helping out each other. You know, when they're when they're golfing and smoking their cigars and they're at their uh their beach houses, they're talking about what they're gonna do this summer with this this new bill coming. Well, if you do that, we'll cut these tax breaks this here. And it's like you know, it's I don't have an answer. It's complicated. 
Yeah, there's, there still is. Yeah, it's very complicated. <laughs> the two-party system's complicated. That clearly doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it all just doesn't work because there's extremes on both sides and the people in the middle who just could care less and it's just all over the place. But and It's like, we just need help, guys. Like, why is that so hard? <laughs> people see his help as like a handout. It's like, it's not a handout when this was taken all from you. Oh, my God. You know? I see that right now with the whole, like, student loan forgiveness mm-hmm. is that you'll see a lot of people obviously are for it. You know, and it's like, yeah, we need help paying these loans back. But then you see other people who are like, why should they get their loans paid for when I had to pay for my loans and paid them off already or something like that? You know, along those mm-hmm. lines, like, why do we, why should they get help when I didn't get that help? Because there's a there's a point where it has to be called. And that point is now in 1928 was someone getting mad that in, you know, 10, 15 years from now, their parent or their kid was going to get Social Security for the rest of their life, but they didn't because uh, FDR didn't have it implemented yet. And before that, you just had to save your money. There was no Social Security. You know, there, that was the turning point. They just had to call it. Like, okay, from now on, we're going to have Social Security. When you turn 65, you get the money put into it. It's like your savings. It's like your retirement. Before that, people suffered and they were poor, and they had to save. And if they didn't save when they were older, they were just really poor and they didn't have help. That was a the point. They had to just call it. Like, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do this. Now this is the point where it's like, yeah, people paid their student loans off before this. People paid hundreds of thousands of dollars before this. That is what it, that's what it, that's what it was. It is what it is. But now this is the new thing and this is what we have to do now. And it's going to be a weird, harsh transition. If you just paid off 80 grand student loans, you're going to be pissed, but it's the future we're investing in. It's the sanity of 25 year olds who have a hundred grand in debt because they were misinformed about everything. What they told, what they were told they can go to school for, you can't get a good job in. X, Y, and Z, the, oh the lies, the business behind, edu- you know, the secondary education system. It's um like I work for it and I see it and I know what it's about. And I'm just like, I want, I wish there was a way that we could have that freedom of expression, which is like being a, a professor, being able to explain stuff and have that freedom of going there without worrying about being canceled by a student, you know, which is a whole thing. <laughs> That's one of my fears right now is unintentionally being canceled for something like especially again like as an artist it's like i've seen fellow artists that i've known in the past get canceled and it's like canceled for what rightful reason being very shitty towards a woman okay but uh, you know that to that but even something that maybe you might not think is a big deal right maybe you made a mistake 10 years ago for something and then all of a sudden your whole career is just like that's the key word though mistake you know, mistakes happen. We forgiveness should be granted to everyone. We we forgive ex convicts who committed heinous crimes because they went to prison and served their sentence, and now they're deemed fit for society. It's like, well, why can't you forget someone who said uh, uh, the wrong word when they were like twenty one years old, and now they're fifty? It's like they probably don't use that word anymore. They probably realized it. In fact, that word could have been relative to the context of their upbringing and the time and place in which they came from, and it was a term of it was a word used all the time, and no one knew any better. And now they know they don't use it anymore. You're going to blame them for that? It's like we've been, that's been going on for all of history. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to someone who's 85 years old for a couple hours. See what kind of things they start saying. Oh, my God. You're going to yeah. cancel them because they grew up in a time when that's what was common use? It's one thing to make a mistake and learn from it. It's another thing to just keep doing it or not feel guilty about it. Be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't use that word anymore only because I can't, but I actually still want to. That, that's a different ballgame. Yeah. Um, which is canceling people left and right. It's like, first of all, 
I have not met one person on this planet that hasn't made a heinous mistake in their life. And heinous is subjective, but I'm talking saying inappropriate things, saying rude things, saying something misogynistic, racist, homophobic, bigoted. Like, go to high school in 2005, like I did, and, like, you might have been a year or two younger, but, like, that's how people spoke. It's all everyone did, and we were a bunch of idiots, just a bunch of teenage boys who came from lower working-class, blue-collar families, and that's how everyone was, everybody. So much so that you didn't even know about this stuff. Twitter wasn't there to inform you. Podcasts weren't there to enlighten you. You know, this stuff wasn't all over YouTube, wasn't a thing. Instagram, none of this stuff. No one was there to be woke and tell you what you should and shouldn't say. You're just living there. Mm -hmm. No cell phones. No one was there to capture it. And you heard someone call someone gay, and then that's what you thought. You should just call people who aren't cool. Obviously, we know that's messed up to do because Mm -hmm. you're calling something you're, you're calling something that isn't cool someone's identification, like what people feel at their core, who they are. Yeah. It's a very mean and cruel thing to do. But that's what everyone did. It's in movies. Mm-hmm. You know, watch 40-Year-Old Virgin, and it's in that movie. It's like, yeah. that's how that's what the culture was. So, like, as long as you grew and learned from that, you don't do it anymore, you shouldn't be canceling people for that stuff. Yeah, it's, um, who's re- who recently got canceled? Eminem recently got canceled. Did he? Can you can- By He's Gen been- Z, yeah. <laughs> I, we, I heard that last night. My friend, uh, my roommate's just like, Eminem's been being trying to get canceled for 22 years. <laughs> like, have you not seen his... Like, what do you say about Christina Aguilera and whatever and Moby and just his lyrics? It's like he's been trying to be – like, people have been trying to cancel him forever. Yeah. He's a white rapper. Man's yeah. been trying to be canceled forever. <laughs> it's like he's got to be so hard to cancel. I mean, that man – it feels like everything he says is an open book. I don't even know. Yeah, because he does not hold back in anything What did Jay-Z – why do you want to cancel He got canceled. Oh, right now Gen Z's canceling him because I think because the Love You Way You Lie song with Rihanna. He said something about, like, tying her up. And and I saw something on TikTok, which was like, that's the one you chose? Like, that's one of the things he said that you guys chose to cancel him for? Because he said way worse things. But, I don't, you know, I don't know if, um, I feel like it's a train, too. Wait, hasn't Jay-Z thing. done some heinous illegal stuff? Oh, yeah, he also cheated on Beyonce. So, but didn't he, know. like, commit a, a lot of really violent crimes when he was younger, growing up? I don't remember. I, I, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I don't. Everyone's done some stuff. Yeah, they have. I mean, if you're going to be a multi-millionaire hip-hop artist and you're in your 50s, chances are coming up, you probably came from some rough stuff and probably Mm -hmm. did some stuff, you know? Anybody. Anybody coming up in the arts, you usually start from nothing. I mean, why else would you choose that field? Yeah. (laughs) You're trying to express yourself. You have no other hope. It's all you know. You, You did some stuff to get there, good or bad, righteous or not. I mean, people should be held accountable. Yeah. There should be conversations about it, but to just go on there because it's easy to hit control, delete. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to just go boom because it's through a screen. You know, I. Have you watched um, that documentary that just came out on Netflix recently about the Cecile Hotel? What is it called? What is it called? Um, but it's, it's about this girl that went missing. And, you know, she went to the Cecile Hotel and it turned out she had bipolar um, bipolar disorder and had an episode and ended up drowning herself in one of their water tanks. But before that was solved, there was, they called them the web sleuths, who were these people who, like, jumped on and just gave death threats to a guy they thought who did it and, like, put him into a suicidal state because they thought he did it. And it's just things like that, like, where these people just pile on and start 
handing out death threats and like I'm gonna go get you and stuff and it's like you're sitting at a computer in like Tulsa like you're not gonna go and get this guy but like people are get so vicious mm-hmm. online and that's just that's what like terrifies me like if I ever came into that situation and it's just like you can't stop these people they just come flooding in like mm-hmm. just you're terrible you're this you're that without even having all the context mm-hmm. the Twitter but, mob mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, post and ghost, just post and, like, walk away from it. And, it's, like, it's all you can do. I, I'm i just, like, what, what, I mean, I don't know. I know who I am, and I feel like everyone who knows me knows who I am. And same thing with you. Mm-hmm. You're probably aware, like, I probably, there's nothing I should be canceled for. I don't think so. I'm yeah, literally I'm, just, like, but that's the thing is that I think what's the term? They're, like, you know, some people might take something too sensitively. Right? I don't know what I did or what I could have done, but it's just like that's a possibility now for anybody. For anybody. For anybody. It's a possibility. Any popularity, any amount of money, it could still happen to you because people are angry. They're sad. They're lonely. They're jealous. They just want to go after stuff. I I don't get it. I don't have that mentality at all. I can't relate. I don't know where it comes from. Um, It, it's just kind of like the same thing with people who get road rage who get mad at a store when someone's like taking too long to check out those types of people. Those are the ones. <laughs> happened to us like two days yesterday. At what? Target. Um, Cause the target app was like confusing. They had a, they had signs, right? Like buy the t-shirts and shorts and you get 20% off. And, but you have to download the circle app, but it, there's no instructions on like how to get that coupon. So we're trying to figure it out, and but the people that worked at Target couldn't even figure it out. And it's like, I know there has to be a code here somewhere so that you can apply this coupon. And there's a lady behind us, and she's like, so should I just wait here? Do I have to wait? How long do you think this is going to take? Like, and it was just, we're there, like, trying to work with the coupon, like, okay, you know, we're trying to do this. But that, like, kind of happened to us yesterday, which was like, she's like, should I just go to another register? <laughs> mm-hmm. I... I... That happens a lot at stores. It, whenever I notice it happens, it seems like a middle-aged woman doing it. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that where the whole Karen thing comes from? Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> can I speak to a manager? Like, this is not moving promptly enough for me. As a person who's not working at the store and who's like, I'm just so patient and passive. I don't really care what's going on. I love when that stuff happens because I just love the stare. I just sit there and smile and stare. I'm like, you realize you sound like a child right now. Like, you're 50 years old, and you sound like a kid who's throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, all those videos that came out this summer. What happened this summer? All those videos of the, the Karens, you know? It was oh, like I was the, outside. I oh, didn't, I didn't look at anything this summer. I don't know what happened. You know, with, with the movement, <laughs> you know, the civil well, rights movement and stuff, yeah, there yeah. was a lot of really nasty people, oh. you know, disrespectful, like, women going out of their way to be disrespectful. And it's just you sit there, and you're like, who made you mad? Like, why are you so why nasty? Why women... Do you... Th- all right. Like older women, you know? Let's see. Humor me. Karen's. Okay. Karen's. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that happened because the spotlight was taken off them for a summer? For a week? Yeah. For a month? For I, a year? I think it was that and, you know, the whole mask. It was even the people who would refuse to wear masks. Mm. It was just a mixture of whether they were being racist and inappropriate or they didn't want to wear a mask and they felt like their rights were being taken away mm. or something. And um, so all these videos were just circling around throughout, like, the summer and stuff. And it was just women just – and you just watch it. And there's a reason why these go viral is because it's so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
Like, they're being so ridiculous to throw these tantrums and be so mean to people and call names and slurs and and just say, like, well, you know, my rights are that I don't have to wear a mask. Like, my rights are not going to be taken away and stuff like that. And it's like, no one's taken away your rights. You mm-hmm. just, we just want everyone to protect each other. I don't mm-hmm. understand why that's so hard. Yeah. To, like, uh, you know, why is that such an outlandish ask to just be considerate for two hours while you're grocery shopping? And People want to have their control. Mm. They want to the, be able to put their foot down and say what they want and feel like they're on top of things and no one could say anything to them. No one wants to uh, work together to accomplish a bigger goal that's more than yourself because it takes discipline and effort, forward thinking, um, dedication. It's hard. It's, oh, man, it, life's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because there's you at the core of it you realize that there really is no right answer mm-hmm. because it's there's too much it's too nuanced there's too many variables um like shutting down the whole economy and world not the whole economy but a lot a huge chunk of it especially stuff in the arts music creative stuff it's a huge part of what keeps the economy going and also it's a huge part of what keeps the mentality of human beings going because Say you're an artist and someone else has a nine-to-five job. What they do in their leisure, what they do to keep their grounds and their sanity is look at your art. Mm -hmm. You know, listen to so-and-so's music. Come to my concert. You know, listen to this pocket. They they take other people's art to to keep balance in life. It's what people do for fun. They go to the movies. They listen to music. They listen to a podcast. They, they go, go to shopping. Show. They go shopping, which is designed and fashioned by other artists. Mm-hmm. The architecture of the building in which they are in is an art form. You eat food. You eat food, which is culinary arts. Like there's art everywhere, and I hate when people neglect the funds that should go in it mm-hmm. through the government, the education system. Oh my god, yes. It's like. You realize this is a yin-yang thing. Like, we need all this. Like, you want to have this beautiful world we call Earth and have all these great things on it. Like, then you need the art. You need the architecture. You need the music. You need the pub that has the band play with the art. You need the landscapers to put all those beautiful flowers in your mansion's front yard. All of it. (laughs) All of it is art in its own way. And to just neglect that, it's really sad. And it's everyone should have masks on or protect each other or have something in in front of them to save them currently but then we also have to do something about like the money the economy like you said a a big thing that stressed you out this whole year was the the topsy-turvy of your career the jobs Mm -hmm. that probably wouldn't have been so problematic if this never happened right yeah like where were you a month a year ago right now before it all went down i was working at uber but it's still something yeah i had a job and then with covid it was like oh so we can't afford 3500 of you guys you gotta go and um, even though it was crazy is I worked for the Uber Eats sector and that was the most profitable sector because mm-hmm. everyone was ordering food. Mm-hmm. But they still made cutbacks and stuff like that. And it's fine. I'm way better off without that job. It was literally, it was like filling in a blank for a bit just to make sure I had steady income. Uh-huh. And it's after that experience, it was like, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding a job has been really hard because of PTSD from all that stuff. But just thinking about like the funding and how the youth is the most important. They should be prioritized for our future to keep things going. Mm-hmm. And it's like they want to take art away from them, like not funding it. I remember when I was in high school, they dropped our art funding immensely. And we only ended up with like two art teachers. Oh, and there wow. used to be like eight. Mm-hmm. And they were like, nope, we can only afford like two of them now. And it's, so it's like two. My I remember when I was in... A senior and I was taking my AP 
um, our class, the AP kids had to sit in the back, and then she would simultaneously teach a basic arts class at the same time. Mm. So she was teaching two art classes at the same time because she was the only teacher. So I just think that, like, why would you take that away from children? Like, they need that. Now, yeah, not everyone can draw. Not everyone can paint or, you know, at least they think that. Everyone can do it, but... In some way, shape, or form. Yeah, like, you have the ability to stroke some paint on a piece of paper. Maybe it's not as great as you want it to look or it's not what you're envisioning, but you can do it. And I find that it's therapeutic. It's extremely therapeutic for everybody. Forms of expression are highly overlooked. And it's weird, like, you always get the stigma, not you, but the general artist gets the stigma of, like, oh, you look interesting, you dress weird, you say out there stuff, and you make stuff while you're an artist. You're like the weird, quirky artist type. It's like, I know plenty of people who have that mainstream look, mm-hmm. you know, clean cut hair and beard, wear nice clothes. They look like they're an accountant. But in their spare time, they're working on a script or they like to write poetry. When no one, or when they're at the Starbucks and no one's looking, they like to doodle in their book. Or they go on websites and look up illustration arc or they secretly oh, shit, have, like... they do something. And they do this, but they're too ashamed because of the pressure of society saying, like, oh, when you're an artist, you're a loser or you're weird. You're not going to make it. So they don't. They keep all that stuff and they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I see it a lot with people, all different types of people. And you realize, like, at their core, everyone has a place where they want to have a form of expression. Sometimes because they think they're not good enough at it because they've been holding other people who are better at mm-hmm. a higher level. So they're like, oh, I can't do what they do. It's like, but what they do is what they do. You do what you do. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to be what they do. You know, I'm never going to be Kanye West. You yeah. know, it's like, but that's <laughs> fine because he is that and I'm me. So you have to do what you do. But it comes from a place of reassurance and self-conscious having having the art teacher to be like, oh, you're, you know, keep working at it. Having the parent that says like, keep doing it. Like, yeah, I'll pay for, you know, lessons, take an extra class. Maybe I'll pay for you to go to the local um, park district and take painting lessons. Just something. And again, it just painting is always a cliche one because that's like the ep- epitome of artists. Like, oh, I'm a painter, I'm an artist. You oh, know, palette. But there's plenty of stuff you can do that's creative. You know, it's like baking, banking, banking, baking. I said banking. banking. I was like, I'm really good at creative numbers. I'm a good banker. Uh, baking, yeah. Baking is like, a great one. Yeah, making cookies. Mm-hmm. Making cakes. I I can. I just like have not met anyone that doesn't appreciate making having a fun cupcake day. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so much fun. Food. Anything. It's gardening. It's gardening. Anything yeah. anything to express yourself. And you know, in standard society we call that a hobby. And it it's for a reason. It's to let go of steam. It's to get things out. It's to take the parts of your brain that you can't get. You can understand waking up at eight, getting the work at nine, doing your work, coming home at five, dinner. You can get all that. That stuff makes sense. It's very routine. It's very mathematical and, and laid out. But what happens with the in-between stuff, the things where your mind, where you daydream and you think about this, or you watch a Netflix movie and you're inspired by that, where does that go? If you don't have a funnel for it and you're not expressing yourself, maybe that's where all that hate on Facebook comes from or that Karen at Target yelling at you comes from. (laughs) Maybe that's where these things come from, people not expressing and letting it out and, and putting that anger, not anger, putting that energy into a into a box it doesn't fit into and that box erupts in anger you know mm-hmm. it, it bulges out of the sides because it's not supposed to go in there it's supposed to go here and people are you know just bottles up they're bottling up in the wrong just bottles pressing all those feelings just bottles up and i mean it happens to everyone mm-hmm. it happens to me too but i try my best to just throw it all 
out there and just like hold nothing back and try not to make those mistakes and and any of the outbursts or the anger make it less and less and just kind of get it to where it's so small it's negligible in your life it means nothing but um you know i see it a lot in people that they should be expressing themselves more health in a healthier way and they're not, not they're doing it in the wrong way they're they're drinking too much you know they want to they want to if they could they'd punch a wall every night you know like they're not getting out their emotions in the right way and they're getting it out through typing on facebook and instagram and twitter you I know. wish the therapy was more accessible for people. Um, and looked at better. Yeah. Like, you know, I just think stigma. about how it should be normalized. And, like, like in school, we had, what, guidance counselors? Mm-hmm. That's not a therapist. That's mm-hmm. not anything. That's someone that's going to help you make sure you apply for college or something. Like, I don't... I'm thinking about, like, high school. I didn't have anything like that. In college, at Columbia, we had the counseling center. You got 12 free sessions of essentially, like, free therapy. (laughs) Yeah. You got 12 free free sessions a semester of, like, free therapy. And that's where I started off was I was seeing a counselor at Columbia when I started to learn about my anxiety and stuff like that. Do you find that the biggest thing you extrapolate from therapy is just the fact that you get to just say what's going on in your head out loud to somebody? Yeah. And, like un, without mm-hmm. being judged, just you get to just say it. Yeah. Maybe not even the feedback is what you need. Just being able to like, I felt so sad yesterday. I didn't want to get out of bed and I even contemplating like just start, like not even eating. I could even have food. Mm-hmm. Like you might be feeling that, but to just say it to another adult who doesn't judge you and looks at you and goes, and then asks more questions. Well, X, Y, and Z. I've never been to a therapist, but the thing that's ever helped me with pain, suffering, depression, anxiety insomnia a breakup all of it has just been talking to people like talking to friends and that's where these walks have been great Mm because if my friend who walks me doesn't come with i just talk in my head i work out through all the things that are bothering me in my head for an hour and 15 minutes while you're breathing a certain way and exerting energy as far as like physically moving and if they are there then i'm just talking to them and you have that you get to vent you get to talk about someone that broke your heart or something you're mad about or like how am i going to pay that bill like and they're just there to take it in and just let you know, like, yeah, talk about it. And you're out there and out and the phone's not on you and you're just out there in the wilderness. No one's recording you. You can't get canceled for, canceled for venting about something. Like, it's just real. It's being a person. And it's the same thing with having a therapist. It's just the person I'm talking to doesn't have a PhD or an MD. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think people just need more of that. You need someone to talk to, a friend, your parent, being open. You know, don't be ashamed of who you are. And, That's... you know... That's why I think it's important for younger, especially teenagers, you know, like I wish I had a therapist when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. because not only was there a lot going on because, you know, hormones in high school and all this stuff going on, but also even like in personal, like a lot of people's family lives were very chaotic, you know, and I feel like having someone that was accessible to me to be able to talk to like about that would have been really helpful instead of me learning over 10 years later how certain events that had transpired when I was younger are affecting me now at 28. Yeah. You know, like, I I love my therapist. Like, I can't say it enough, and I tell everyone all the time, I love therapy. Not only because I can say stuff, you know, without, feel, like, the hesitation of feeling judged, but your therapist's job is to help you essentially analyze and kind of come to reason and rationality with the things you're saying or the things that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had... Counselor at Columbia, 
Um, and then I had a hypno. I went to hypnotherapy after that. I had about four sessions of hypnotherapy. What made you want to try that? Um, I was dating someone that kind of put me in a really bad place, mm. and I had really bad self. I got like almost like trauma, like PTSD, because I was um, slut shamed, and it 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 really it really effed me up. Like I I didn't want to talk to any males. I didn't want to do anything. And, um, so I had to go see a hypnotherapist to help my thought patterns and like talk to my subconscious to not associate things with certain actions or thoughts. After that, I saw an actual therapist, a counselor, and then I didn't really like her very much. So I stopped seeing her. And then I ended up going to another therapist in 2017 after having a very big, like anxiety, um, PMDD, like breakdown. And then I ended up meeting my therapist now who's number four. Right. Yeah, I think he's number the fourth, fifth person I've seen, maybe fourth, fifth. And this person works. Mm. Um, And so what I tell people is that not every therapist you see is going to be the right one for you. Mm -hmm. It's it's like friends. You know, you have to wait until you find that right person. But if you're ever talking to a therapist and you see them a few times, but you're feeling like you're not feeling it, you're not feeling good after your session you're not feeling like oh man like i can't wait to talk to them like if you're not feeling that like that just like a good friend then maybe you should try looking for someone else because Mm -hmm. i've i've heard stories of people sticking with their therapist just because they thought they had to and it didn't really work out very well for them because a therapist is not supposed to be judgmental or you know whatever but there's some out there that still do that We'll still find a way to make you feel bad about something. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful and also just like be aware of who you're talking to. And again, just recognizing like, do I feel confident in this person? Can I trust them? Or are they making me doubt myself? That's a big thing. If they're making you doubt yourself, like confusing you, you know, I don't think that that's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're supposed to be there to guide you mm-hmm. and, and positive reinforcement, help you question things about what you're going through. But um, it's, I mean, I, I've never seen one, but it reminds me of like how your parents should be. How, the closest people in your life, your parents, your friends, they shouldn't be there to belittle or judge you or put you down, but like help. And even just like a good positive constructive criticism, like say you're trying to like quit a drug, right? Mm-hmm. Like, at a certain point, if your friends care about you enough, they they might should be they should be like, dude, just you should stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's enough like sugarcoating it. Just stop, you know. And like that's just tough love. But like, how are they saying it? Are they being mean about it? Or are they going like put their hand on you, tell you they love you, and be like, man, you're a great person. But this seems to be a pattern. Like you should think about like reflect on maybe not doing that. Versus like, dude, you're such a loser. You should yeah. just like kill yourself or like stop doing that like what's your problem like those you're are the type of friends your life what are you doing yeah just belittling you like you're just ruining you're su- such a, a menace to everything yeah. around you that doesn't work just like you wouldn't want a therapist to do that, or your parents it's mm-hmm. so, like the best thing about my parents is they never did that stuff they never all the weird and wacky stuff i did they were never like oh you're such a this this and that you messed up i can't they'd always be like listen you're, you're a good person, you know, just, like, you got to work on this, this, and that. Like, try this, this, and that. And, like, that's what makes a good parent. I've mm-hmm. heard parents not support their kids, be very mean to them, rude, uh, verbal abuse, you know. And kind of like you said, your ex-boyfriend, like, something about slut-shaming. It's like, who? someone's dating someone, why don't they do that? Like, who, why would you treat someone that way? Yeah. You know, force them to think something or kind of get in their head about who they are, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just 
it's really mean and I don't know. It's happened to me too. You know, I've 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 had that happen past people relationships just kind of like get in your head about the stuff they say, make you think a different way and you're like I don't understand. Like I thought I was okay. I thought I was good. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Um, usually it takes hindsight to realize mm-hmm. that. Some form of therapy. For me it was just talking to people, coming to the realization like, yeah, that was messed up. <laughs> That's not really that wasn't reality. You know, I shouldn't be thinking that way. Do you think I wonder, do you think being an hourly, outwardly creative person comes with the baggage of something being skewed in the brain? Do you think that's just part of, it's a byproduct of being okay with being creative or wanting to be creative? And I'm, I'm only saying yeah. that because I, I, I relate to, I'm not saying it to, to, to put on, to bestow on anybody else or belittle the fact I could just admit like, I put I try to put out a lot of creative stuff and I know I got a wacky brain. So like is that just what happens when you're creative? Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, know. I mean I I sometimes I feel like a Van Gogh. I don't know, you know, like I feel like it just kind of comes with I think I'm so creative because I'm so sensitive mm. and I'm so emotional and also like what's the word I'm thinking of? But very much um aware of? Aware. Just self-aware, oh, self-aware, and aware of surroundings, everything. Yeah. Like I'm very observant. Okay. Um, I'm an overthinker. You know, I have obsessive thought patterns and stuff like that. And I think that having my mental like issues contributes to my creativity because then it's like that's what my feelings come from. That's what fuels them. Um, and also weird. I am weird. I have a wacky brain. Like my thoughts patterns can go very weird sometimes, but that's just where my imagination comes from. That's how I I am creative is because I can think outside the box mm-hmm. and I can think in different directions as opposed to just like up and down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I remember like I think about this a lot, but I remember like not like questioning my existence at a young age, but I remember like being maybe like seven or eight and having those thoughts of like there's a big world and universe outside of me and I can only read my own thoughts it's like I don't know what it what it was but I just remember having this thing of like I only know what's going on in here but there's so much going on like in the world around us and it's like why am I here like the fact that I can think right now and that I'm alive I don't know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like having like weird thoughts of like questioning reality and stuff like that. And not even in a negative or sad way. It's just like, huh. Curiosity. Very much so. Very You've always curious. been a curious person. How things work. Why do they work? I love that show, like how stuff works. I, I love anything like that. I love Me watching too. all those Discovery documentaries. Discovery and History Channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Modern Marvels, how things work. Yeah. yeah Mythbusters. Like you said <laughs> Mythbusters. Like the scientific analyses and scientific data gathering and scientific hypotheses of how things work coupled with the creative part of how to achieve them, such as like Mythbusters, um, science in general, the arts. That's why I love recording because it's such a scientific thing to take sound, you know, and put it into this and then have Mm -hmm. it come to here. But like what you can put through that is creative stuff. And like I just love both of them. I like to think of... Um, anything I do is like a science experiment. Mm-hmm. I like to test out different things. Like anytime I make something, it doesn't end up the way I initially think about it. Because as I'm working on it, 
I'm like, oh, well, let's try this. Let's try a little bit of that. Like, it's just, it's all improvis improvisation. The, at some, in some form, in some way. And then it's like, here's the result. Like, I experimented with these filters or these colors. And I'm just testing out all this stuff. And then I get the final result at the end. Um, that's how I like to think about it. It's not really like a clear-cut process for me. It's all experimenting mm -hmm. and just playing and having like a good time with it. And when do you know when it's complete? It's a good question. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have like a concrete answer for that, but I think it's just a feeling where it's like I'm satisfied with it. Do you fall uh, under the belief that like art's never finished, it's abandoned? You know, I never heard that, but that makes, sometimes I revisit old stuff. Mm. And I could, honestly, if I had like like any of these, I have to kind of tell myself it's done. But I don't think it is done. So it's abandoned. It's so you, abandoned. So you do yeah. That. <laughs> I guess I never thought You've about never it heard that, that way. One, huh? No, it's I a never pretty common about phrase. It Art's never finished. It's abandoned. Um, at least I think it is. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've heard it a lot. I feel that way when when doing anything. I just you gotta know when to call quits. It can always get better. But um, I think that's natural for humans to want to uh, always be better. But the problem is, what does that better represent? What path are you on that you're thinking that? It, and that's where it gets crazy because um, if someone has a mental illness and their perception of reality is skewed, then what they think is something to be better could be not good, mm -hmm. not right. It could be something really demonic, bad, evil. You know, it's... It's complicated, and the things I've learned about working with a lot more artists and talking to a lot more artists over the last decade or so is how real and prevalent like mental illness is, especially amongst like creative people. Yes, it's interesting to see the correlation of so many people I know who are creative have like on on a spectrum of mental illness is just it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's just that they're more open, okay, with talking about it because they're creative. They're more comfortable just, just voicing their thoughts. So they might just talk about it more. But really, a lot of people have these issues. It's just that creative people that are used to being in this place where they have to put output are okay with just talking about it. You know, maybe they talk about it in their lyrics. If they write songs, maybe they mm -hmm. talk about it in their artwork. Maybe they talk about it on a podcast. Maybe they talk about it through self-expression. When you see someone who has oddly colored clothes with different color hair and tattoos not saying you i'm talking about a lot of creative people you can just draw the conclusion like well they're clearly trying to be loud about something like they're okay with just being who mm -hmm. they are you know they're just out there in the world and being who they are i think that like especially now with social media and you know the the wokeness and everyone being more willing to provide information to everyone and not as afraid um because mental illness what like five 10 years ago was nowhere near talked about even as it is today. No. And um, even like my parents at first couldn't accept it. When I started to show signs of depression and anxiety, it was just like, well, just get out of bed. Just go get it over with. And it was like hard for them to get how I was feeling. They just thought I was being lazy mm -hmm. um, and that I was being dramatic mm -hmm. when in reality I was really hurting inside. And it was hard for me to get them to understand that until, you know, like with my mom, she comes from, you know, old school Mexican family, conservative, you know, they don't talk about their feelings. Mm -mm. No one talks about their feelings, but now... They drink them. Yeah. <laughs> they drink them, they eat them, they dance them away. Like nobody... Or they hit. They hit. Yeah. They abuse. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm fortunate that I didn't have that I didn't deal with any physical growing up, but you know, I did. You know, my dad had a big thing with guilt tripping, so I did get that a lot. And um, but he was also abused when he was a kid, and that's the thing is, is that I remember when I told him that I was developing anxiety and depression. I was like, Dad, I think you have anxiety and depression. He denied it. Denied, 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 denied well, for men years. men never want to admit that, especially adult men, mm-hmm. especially adult Mexican men, you know. Yeah, for years, he denied it. And then, what, maybe, like, up until a couple years ago, he was like, yeah, I just get a lot of anxiety at night. Like, yeah, I'm feeling, you know, whatever. Like, my dad has really bad insomnia. Mm-hmm. Never addressed it. Just thought it was normal. Mm-hmm. No, like, you have, you have quote-unquote, like, demons keeping you up at night. Like, mm-hmm. you just have a lot that you went through. You went through a traumatic life, and that still keeps you up at night to this day. But mm-hmm. you never addressed it until only a couple of years ago because me always informing them about what I'm going through, I think that it's great that they they started realizing things about themselves. Like, my mom is an anxious person. She didn't think she was or admitted it before because it was always seen as, like, oh, like an insult or something really terrible when it's actually extremely common. Mm-hmm. It's very common amongst humans in modern day societies because, I mean, I have no full scientific proof of this, but I'm under the belief through my own experience anecdotally and others that anxiety is because you're not, you're not, you're not, taking away enough energy from your body and mind to negate the racing ability to survive evolutionary as a person. So if you're just like living a sedentary lifestyle, not putting enough output out there, then where is all of that trying to survive go as a human, as a, as a human species? Where does it go? Well, manifest into insomnia, to using drugs, because you're not so pretty much like physically exerting yourself and mentally exerting yourself. Mm-hmm. So like working all day on things you enjoy doing, physically getting tired could help maybe not get rid of full-fledged anxiety because sometimes it's just a genetic thing and it's the way your neurochemistry works, but it could definitely suppress and bring it down a lot. I could drop it down a lot because I used to have terrible anxiety and I used to stay up all night and I couldn't sleep. And I did that from probably like 16 till... It got a little bit better in the last couple of years, but I'd say 16 up until the last few years, maybe like 12, 13 years. Bad, bad sleeping habits. And then I just shift everything about me, fasting, diet, productivity, exercise, everything, and it all stopped. And now I fall asleep in 5, 10 minutes. I don't think about anything, and I just go straight to sleep. I never thought that was possible. I thought when people said that, I was like, you were blessed with the lucky gene. I don't know what that feels like, <laughs> and it doesn't happen anymore. But I had to do so many things to get to that. I had to change my whole life to get to that. It took years of practice. Listen, anytime I heard anybody say something that works for them, I took that and put it into my toolbox. You know, I was like, all right, do that. All right, don't do that. Do this. And I just came up with my own plan, and it works for me. And it requires, you know, no drugs. Not that there's anything wrong with taking drugs. If you need the right drugs for your brain, it requires no official therapy. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you need that, but for me, it requires me to just keep these things going and I have this balance. Mm-hmm. And I think depre- that's my anxiety th- theory. And then the depression theory, I feel like, is not enough physical and emotional mental touch. And, you know, you, how do you get touch emotionally? Well, it's through, like, words. Like, you know, hey, Diana, I like your artwork. I think you're very talented. 
I like that tattoo. That's very cool. More of those things need to be said to people. Mm -hmm. And that could bring your self-esteem up. Dopamine hits up. Anxiety and depression down. And uh, I think sleeping better and having better health can lead to a better lack of serotonin levels going down. More sunlight leads to less serotonin levels going down and, and dopamine going down. But have them going up when you get more sunlight. And I think... There's a lot of things you can do in your life to bring depression, anxiety down. Again, there's some people who have genetic, they're predisposed to it, and that's unfortunate. But these things can still help with that. You might still need to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. and you might still need to take some form of a pharmaceutical medication. But maybe you'll need less of it. Maybe your milligrams will go down. Maybe while you're on them, you'll feel a certain way. And uh, this fast-paced um, society that your parents have been in, my parents have been in, for a long time where we're not told to talk about stuff. We're not showed a lot of love. We're not shown the right amount of hours a day that we should work out. We have poor diets because of fast food. Like these things I think have led to this massive break in anxiety and depression over the last many decades that people keep talking about. I've never heard so much depression and anxiety talk for a good reason. It's good that we're more open about it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I haven't heard this much talk about it ever before in my life. I can't tell if it's because we're more open or because it's, it's just getting worse because of Instagram, the mm -hmm. likes. What is it like for when we were in high school? What year did you graduate? 2011. 11, yeah. Okay, so I was 08. So when I was in high school, the anxiety that women had was relative to them and their group and the student body there, and it was fashion. Did you go to Hall store or did you go to Aeropostale? Mm. Did you go to the thrift <laughs> store or did you go to Walmart? And that's where it ended, right? Now... It's the whole world is in your face, and your face is in the whole world. Oh, That's you only Instagram. have 50 Instagram likes? <laughs> so what does that do to the like, young girls now? Yeah. You know, and, and the young boys. And like, filters. And the filters. That What's, what's going to wake of that? Like, what is in the wake of doing that to young girls and young boys, 14, 15, 16, not only comparing themselves to the kids in their class at high school, but now to the whole world? And these likes... It's scary. It did really used to remain in just your, your classrooms, your, your posse. Yeah, I it. mean, I got <laughs> one of the, my great, my favorite bullying stories is um, from MySpace. Mm. Um, I got bullied in eighth grade over a boy because he liked me, and these girls were really mad about it. They were pressed. So they all ganged up on me. They had the whole gym class somehow. They got them to avoid me. Um they threw glue balls in my hair. They made me cry. Like, they were just so mean to me because this boy liked me. And I liked him back. Like, we I had known him since I was in kindergarten. You know, it was just so innocent. Like, it was so whatever. Why would they do that? And because one of them had dated him for, like, a month and was pissed, like, mm. jealous, you know? And mm. then the, another one who was my best friend decided that she liked him, too. So she went to that side. Mm. It was insane. And um, summer went by. We literally dated for, like, a week and a half. Like, it was nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked, like, two times. Like, it was they, – they did all that for nothing, basically. And then high school, a month into high school, I um, got called by this boy who was like, so when are we going to hook up? When are – you know, when are we going to make out and do the thing or whatever? And I'm just sitting there like, what are you talking about? When did we have this conversation? He said I told him on MySpace. I go on MySpace and I log into my account and I get a friend request from me. And I see the friend request and it's a fake MySpace profile. They took all my pictures and put them on there. 
And then even in the pictures commented, hey guys, don't I look like Scooby-Doo? They put a picture of Scooby-Doo on there. They, the whole wallpaper was pornographic images. They put a whole write-up about how I like to touch myself and I like to do things. They put my phone number on there. this is when you're 15? 14. 14, this happened. So this is like 2008, 9, 8? 7. So 7? Mm-hmm. Did you did they get in trouble? Did you report them? I didn't. Well, because the thing is, I can't say for sure who did it, but I knew it was them. Yeah. You know, it's one of those yeah. things where I know it was you guys because you're the only people that have been messing with me. Did they ever say anything to you about it? One girl apologized to me like a year later. Didn't even directly address that situation, but apologized for being so mean to me. Did any of them ever in life apologize for that? No. Wow. If I did that to somebody, I would definitely reach out to them and say, like, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, it was... But- or should they get canceled now? That's cancel. That's cancel right there, right? Yeah, I I wouldn't do that. No, I'm you saying, know, but like, like, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? People do make mistakes because they're 17 or 15 year old girls. Mm-hmm. You're gonna hold them accountable for some stupid crap they did. That was messed up. They did that to you. That's mm-hmm. really messed up. Um, so I can only imagine what people are doing now, though. Oh, it's way worse. That was MySpace. It's so like, easy really to just make like... fake stuff and mess with people now. Mm-hmm. It's really messed up. Yeah, it's easy to make fake um, fake accounts and harass people and mm-hmm. message them. I mean, a good friend of mine was getting harassed by the girlfriend of her ex-boyfriend for years. And the, she literally has, like, hundreds of screenshots of all the mm-hmm. fake accounts this girl would make to just call her names and try and bring her down, even though she's not even with the guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, there's some sad people out there. Mental illness. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Misinformed. Their parents were around to help them, guide them, and stuff. It's it's so complicated. And the internet's mm-hmm. opening up all that. Yeah, that's like a whole world of like how complicated people can be. <sighs> and this is where it goes back to. I wish that therapy. I want a world where therapy is accessible, even more accessible to people, and not so expensive, and just doesn't seem like something so outlandish for people to do. Like, I feel like it should be a normal thing for, like, students, for example. Maybe you have your weekly half-an-hour therapy session at school. Like, you're going to go visit your counselor or whatever. Like, why does that seem like something that's so outlandish? Mm-hmm. Why? But it benefits a growing teenager, like, young kid who could be going through a lot of stuff to have someone that's there for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And it could save a, a lot of lives. It could a save a lot of situations. It could just prevent so much stuff. It could prevent... There's a lot of web negative things propagating out. Even if someone doesn't end up... If they're sad and they're, they're suicidal, they don't even end up killing themselves. If they do end up staying alive but they're miserable the whole time, the things that that affects... It's, even, like, it's one thing when someone passes away because they kill themselves and that affects mm-hmm. people in a really sad, negative way. But if someone still doesn't do anything to fix themselves or get be- or help or at least try to, and they're always doing stuff like that, or they're they're making fake profiles, they're hurting other people, they're they're doing sneaky stuff, they're being sketchy on the internet. Um, yeah, it leads to a lot of problems. And I wish there was more help at younger ages. I wish there was less abuse at younger ages that creates these types of mm-hmm. people when become adults and they were hurt. That's why the cycle has to be, like, broken, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. Luckily, because mental illness is so talked about now, and especially with Gen Z, you know, seeing way more information and more about it, hopefully these kids will learn to, you know, figure themselves out or, like, get help and and not be certain ways that could damage somebody and not yeah. be abusive and not repress their feelings and take them out onto other people. Mm-hmm. Like, hopefully, like, the cycle eventually over the next couple decades will change that 
a bit. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take. It's gonna take. Yeah, decades. Decades. It's not gonna be like no. next two years. It's gonna be the next few generations. Like kind of. It's gotten better. Yeah. People mm-hmm. talk about it more. Yeah. Um. There's you know better help. There's like actual apps and websites like people can get help and people are sponsored by these things. Even Instagram profiles mm-hmm. with nothing like I follow a few great ones that my therapist recommended because it's just the things that these people like licensed psychologists have Instagram profiles and they're giving advice every day. Mm-hmm. And it's like amazing advice mm-hmm. that I feel like people could have used, you know, back in 2007 or right. whatever. But here we are. It's so, all growth. Back to influencers. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned that earlier. So influencers... I'm so confused by this term. Yeah. They're not doing things just to be positive and on the kindness of their heart. They're doing it because they're promoting other people's things. Some some are and some aren't. Mm. It really depends on the influencer because, I mean, there's good ones and there's bad ones. There's influencers who have definitely not been the greatest people and they do it for the vanity. You know, influencers can be very vain because it's, they rely on all those likes, all those followers, all those sponsored posts, mm. all those people to send them free products so that they can show them off. Um, I mean, I've done influencer things, but that's not what I thrive off of. I do it if the product is cool. Like I recently I partnered with this watch company because um, I thought the watches were super cool. And the watches are very much inspired by architecture and like classic design. So and then another, a legging company hit me up too recently, but I haven't responded to the email because I was just like, I have too much going on to think about like leggings and you want me to post on my profile of me wearing these leggings and I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. you know, and, but there's people who like eat that up. Mm. They rely on that. They rely on all those likes. I mean, even like TikTok influencers, you'll see the sponsor like hashtag ad. Make sure you use Bounty in your next day's mess. Like, mm. you know, it's like that's where advertisers are going for now. All mean, coming from working in an advertising background, like I remember the days where it was like, all right, we need to we need you guys to find like 10 influencers so that we can add them to this campaign and ask them to be a part of it and then find out the budget and how much are we going to pay them. And a lot of the times brands don't want to pay anything. They want to send you free stuff and hope you're okay with it. Mm -hmm. A lot of influencers don't like that anymore. Now it's definitely something that they need to get paid for, and which is why now brands are caring a lot more about how many followers you have and how many likes you get. And it just keeps evolving into, like, a whole business. Influencers is a business. Yeah. It's a profession now for a lot of people. I mean, YouTube influencers, makeup influencers, like, that's their life now. And the thing is, is that... They, the, the, the thing of whether they're a positive person or not, it just really depends if you like their personality, I would say. Like, maybe this person does inspire you because along with showing off these cool products, they have amazing things to say. And then maybe this person's also just really funny. Yeah. I don't really know. You know, I, I guess in myself, like, I follow very few influencers and it's probably mostly it's because I know them. Mm. Um, and I know that they're great people and I'm cheering them on from the sidelines while they're yeah. doing all this cool stuff. But as far as like, you know, YouTube influencers and stuff like that, it's different. Um, cause some of them will bring you into their life and some will keep it strictly business. Oh, okay. So it's, it varies. Yeah. Like a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrities I, I, are all influencers actually. It, it's, yeah. Yep. It seems to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, yeah, I just, it's such a weird term. It's so loose. Mm-hmm. Like. I, I hear it as a joke. I think it's a joke because I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm just like, 
being myself. It's like know? a celebrity isn't even a celebrity anymore. It's now they're all influencers if they you are. think about it. Because now somebody on Instagram with a ton of money, they'll say that you or you know, following, it's like, yeah, this person's an influencer. Then that means a celebrity's an influencer. What is even the term celebrity anymore? I guess it's turned into influencer, yeah. Because of the way social media is going and everything's growing, it's everyone's becoming an influencer. Yeah, I mean, if you have millions and millions of, of subscribers and you, you know, say something, say Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. you're like you're influencing things. Yep. You, people take that seriously. And they take it seriously if you have that platform and you don't use it for good. That's another weird thing. Yeah. Because it's like, well, isn't it freedom of speech and expression if that person wants to not say something or wants to say something, shouldn't? they be allowed to they should technically yeah but people want to um see you using your platform for positive positivity as opposed to vanity i think that's kind of like at least how i might see it or a lot of people might see it as like wait a minute like or you know the thing with like appropriating culture Mm -hmm. you know and and taking part in traditions and like looks and stuff that don't even pertain to you or what you grew up with and then something bad happens to that culture that you used and you don't say anything about it mm. like now you don't have something to say that's what gets you in trouble mm. you know it's like you can't just do that you know anyway you can't be like that you can't just steal someone's like identity or whatever and try i mean there's like one i see specifically where it's this white woman who's literally like puts so much makeup on her skin tries to look black and was like a, you know doing other things that were totally anti that but then stealing that like look and appeal for a lot of people it was very problematic mm-hmm. it is problematic because yeah. it's kind of like you're just stealing you're trying to be a whole other race but you're not even respecting the race at the same time mm-hmm. yeah so i mean there, there, there's extremes to it because it's mm-hmm. one thing to do that. it's one thing to like just eat a cuisine from a different culture mm-hmm. you know like yeah you know it, it's weird it's like or listen to music of a different culture or wear clothes that might be from a different culture because you just like the style and the fabric and the design of it mm-hmm. it's it very uh that's the weird thing about it is there is no definitive answer and there is no like direct line it's just like a spectrum of like when do you decide that it's like the cancel culture it's mm-hmm. like when do you decide that you don't actually agree with that and now you want this. Because then it's subjective. It's like, well, what if you're fine with someone just using their 10 million followers to just be vain and just show photos of them in the mirror and looking beautiful? Like the Kardashians? Sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but even there, there's this complicated. Are, aren't, isn't Kim Kardashian like doing trying to do a lot with like getting people out of prison who are... So she's... Yeah, she's doing some stuff, you know. Like, but then there's that other part of there's like, what a, we just said, like or... her sister, like Kylie, whatever, right? Like that one, she gets talked about a lot. But they get so much money just for being talked about. It's almost like they don't even care. I don't know anything about any of it, to be honest. They, what is it? Um, all press is good press. <laughs> yeah, so except all for... likes and all clicks are good clicks, apparently. Unless you're canceled. Got canceled. Got canceled, and you got to find a way to come back. Man. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. It's I'm so... like, man, <laughs> I know I'm getting old because I'm seeing too many factors in this now. And it's just like, I just want to keep making my art mm-hmm. and hanging out with my pets and maybe go travel. Like, you know, I just want simple. You I, can I do those simple things, things you know. Yeah. The thing is, all the Internet's really doing is amplifying all the voices that have already been there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, if it's ni- it's 1975, right? And, and we're in America, and there's none of the social media stuff. And, you know, Jack Nicholson 
comes out with a, he's in a new movie, you know, Chinatown, and it's a big movie. Everyone's sitting around talking about Jack Nicholson. They're doing like what we're just doing right now. They're talking about it. It's just, they're just not putting it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They're not putting it on Facebook. They're not. They see this person in TV and in movies. They're just. It's a different type of thing. Now that we all have the ability to voice our thoughts and opinions, we're doing the same stuff. These famous people and these athletes and these politicians are still around. We still hear about them. But now that we could see their photos, see direct words from them on Twitter, we're able to just kind of chime in and we're all going to say and do what we would have done anyway at home while we're having a you know, a bonfire and we're going to talk crap about these celebrities. Now we're just doing it online. Like it, nothing's really changed, but everything's changed. Like yeah. us at our core, we're still doing the same nonsensical stuff. Because we're bored, because we should be out there exerting energy so we could fall asleep at night. Yeah. But instead, we're sitting there. Oh my god, I can't believe Kim's butt's this big. <laughs> Kim Kardashian. It's like, why don't we use this energy for something better so you're so you could sleep at night? I think that's something people just gotta learn. You know, like it takes a lot of discipline. Them discipline you know, and a lot of self realization and just realizing the things that you're doing might be toxic for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like again, like doing cyberbullying or being so obsessed with a celebrity for getting like her 10th butt job. Like, you know, it's just, you have to learn. And that comes with age. I feel like I just think, you know what? That could be a lie though, because I know there's plenty of people older than me who probably still haven't learned this lesson, but that's because they haven't. You would hope it would come with right? age. <laughs> it doesn't always though. No, it, I think it just comes with learning about yourself. Inward thinking. Mm-hmm. Outward thinking, self-realization, listening to people. Yeah. Constructive criticism, reflecting a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, think like really thinking about what you're doing and saying and taking it seriously. Um, enjoying the little things in life. And laughing still. Yeah. Smiling, not being so mad at every post. I mean, just getting so upset about Twitter and Instagram and Facebook looking at all that stuff and not just taking a moment to just be happy. I think too, because we live in such a capitalistic society that a lot of us it's like chasing that bag everyone wants to be an influencer because they think influencers make all this money and you know all this stuff or people want to be popular in social media because now if you are like on tiktok for example if you get like what 10k followers then you're eligible to start making like ad money or something like that or you Mm. can be like a creative partner or something like that so there's these goals that are being set on social media now like in these platforms that people really want to get to because they want to get to this status you know, mm-hmm. and status means what? Power, money, like that's Spotify how- plays. Yeah. You know, you your Spotify plays are everything now as a band. Like how many Spotify, how many monthly listeners do you have? Mm. How many followers do you have? How many how many likes on Facebook? Now nobody cares about likes on Facebook. How many likes do you have on Instagram? You know, it's it's so the numbers game. It's the numbers. It's, it's but that's why it's funny because it's like I never I don't get the numbers. They don't represent me at all. What represents me is like talking to people and hearing like, you know, going to a local restaurant and the waiter, well, not now, but before and the waiter's <laughs> just like, oh, I've been to DZ Fest before. Like, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, that means more to me than like, how many followers do I have? Because like, that's the internet. It's not real. It's as real as you make it. I say that. I, I think I, I said that recently on Twitter because I... Like, the last few months have been really hard, right? Like, I know that. And, like, my close friends have known that. But I, like, Instagram, I'm posting stuff like nothing, really. Not, like, like not, not exactly, like, nothing. But, you know, I'll post something or whatever. And to the masses, they don't really know what's going on behind the grid. They don't know what's going on in my life. They can just assume, oh, oh my God, she's so, 
she's all getting her photos taken by this photographer. Like, you know, oh, like, she's so happy. She looks so great. Maybe I'm not, yeah. <laughs> you know, and not, you know, not that I like want to advertise that to everyone. I try to be open about the fact that I struggle with mental illness because I want people to know that like, hey, you might see this part of me, but I'm struggling too. You know, it's just that that's not everything I want to advertise full on, like full force to you guys. Mm-hmm. I don't want to depress you guys, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, like you don't always know what's going on behind, you know, and on the other side of the phone like you don't know what people are going Uh through so things can look very perfect and like they're having this super successful and crazy awesome career but in reality they could be trying to get like seven grand back from somebody Mm -hmm. (laughs) why don't you tell us how you really feel yeah (laughs) wow guns blazing out of that one yeah (laughs) ah yeah that another classic phrase don't judge a book by its cover yeah and don't let that bring you down yourself yeah don't let this you know ideal or the the assumption or whatever someone being super whatever what you want to be or what you wish you could be like don't do that Mm -hmm. try to take care of yourself you got to keep yourself happy keep yourself healthy and fulfill what you want to do with your life and that's a lesson i had to learn that's a lesson that a lot of people have to learn still you know Mm -hmm. but that's that's what comes with it again is the whole self-actualization looking inward really thinking about it and taking that time to be with yourself mm-hmm. so i always wondered do miserable people know they're miserable you know that's a good question because they just they feed on it and mm-hmm. they the type of people i mean we've all met them maybe in some points you've even been it where you don't even want to be around them you might have a friend or a family or that cousin and you're just like I don't even want to be around this person. They're just always mean and miserable. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't even care. Everything's negative that comes out of their mouth. They got to be better than you at everything. You wish, like, I'm giving an extreme example, but, yeah. like, I know about, I've experienced this. And um, I just wonder, like, do they know? Do they, are they, maybe they know, and that's what makes them even more miserable is, like, they know they're not happy. They just don't. They just keep feeding back in on it. Like it's like an addiction. Loop. Mm-hmm self-destructive mm-hmm. it's like you know the, the people that are uh big on certain drugs or drinking and they like feed into it you know like, yeah they like they i've been around or worked with people who are just like yeah i'm drunk you're just like oh you're just gonna go out there and say that huh you're like yeah yeah i drink every day i'm drunk you're just like well they like laugh about it like yeah i'm just an alcoholic you're like oh i don't know that's not good that you're just you like, want to laugh about that guys <laughs> yeah no i mean have, have you experienced this before or like yeah i'm just you know i don't know, i just like yeah i eat like crap i just eat like crap every day and you're just like so you're aware that you feel like crap because you eat like crap you want to change that anything you want to do about this drinking smoking drugs just what sleeping terribly every night like oh, i sleep so bad every night and you see it in their eyes you see it in their demeanor their skin looks bad. You're like, there's just no, you don't want to stop this. You just want to keep complaining about it. You want to bring everyone's tone down in the room and then not do anything about it. What? Is, what is that? Why? It's such a. There's always that one person you know in your life yeah. that's like that. And I'm like, why? It's hard. I think that um, they haven't gotten that wake up call yet, or that that moment that where it like flips it's hard to explain because i know yeah where it's like what am i doing um because even like i've done i've done self-destructive stuff i've binge ate like cheetos and stuff like that like especially because i've had 
multiple episodes of depression, but each one I learn more and more about what not to do or, mm-hmm. you know, how to recognize that I'm being self-destructive. Mm-hmm. Now I, I can very much recognize if I'm being self-destructive and it's like, okay, let's think about this. Like, do we want to do this tonight? Like, no, we don't, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think that they just got to learn. They need someone to snap them out of it. They need someone to, they need something to trigger them, you know, that's like, this is not okay. What do they need? Like the whole Scrooge thing where they need the, the past, present and future to come into their life in a dream or something and mm-hmm. tell them like, you're screwing up your life if mm-hmm. you don't snap out of this. That's where good friends come in mm-hmm. to, to play. Being a good friend is not just uh, being there for somebody or being supportive, but it's like letting them know. I've had good friends. It might have come off as rude or facetious, but in the end, it was just their way of expressing it. But then when they were helpful, in the end, they were like, you know, Ben, X, Y, and Z, or this person, that, you should probably think about that. And you're like, oh, shoot. Like, people need good friends. You need good friends, good parents, colleagues, a boss, anybody to kind of politely check you and let you know. And when you don't have that, we don't have that positive reinforcement. That's when it, I think that's when it just leads you down a, a dark path when no one's there to be like, like we were talking about earlier, like not having the right male role models to tell you, like, don't be catcalling women. Like, don't do that. Don't say this to them. No one wants to be called this. Don't touch them. Don't message them on Facebook or Instagram with inappropriate things. If you're going to message them, say something nice or ask if you could buy their artwork. Like, that's pretty much it. You know, it's crazy is that dealing with somebody that's in a fragile state, it's hard. It's, um, really hard because you want to come to them and confront them, you know, like intervention style or something, but you could be going about it all wrong. Maybe in your head you think you're doing it right, but because people are so sensitive and triggered by different things, um, just because I've experienced this. So, you know, like being confronted on something and you feel like, and it's making you feel like a complete asshole. That That's not how you want someone to feel. But if you're using words like you, you're doing, you did this, then of course someone's going to be defensive and they're going to be upset because you're, you're, yeah, you're calling them out on stuff. But instead of, I don't know, maybe rephrasing the way you say something, it, it's, it could be as simple as that. Because I know that's why a lot of people are scared to call out friends or whatever if they're doing self-destructive behavior or if they're being too something, right? You can't go at it with, you're doing this to me, you're doing this to us. Like, as if they're deliberately trying to harm you, mm-hmm. they're literally just not, I wouldn't say everyone's deliberately trying to harm somebody. It's just they're stuck in their own brain and they're mm-hmm. stuck in this this sad world that they're in at the moment or however long they're in it. And I just think that definitely, like, coming to your friends and checking them is something that's important. But also be aware of how you do it and don't don't make them feel even worse than they probably already do. They already they already feel really bad. Yeah. They're probably aware of it. Mm-hmm. Make it about them. Don't say like, oh, you're doing this to me. You did yeah. this to your kid. You did this to your mom. Their problem is about them. So make it about them. Like, yeah. preface it with, we care about you. We love you. We've been with you. We've been here for you a long time. But we notice X, Y, and Z about your behavior. You like, it seems like you're having a hard time. Like, yeah, I've had to be in those positions it's it's hard there's no real easy way to do it but there's definitely better ways to do it and go in it with the right demeanor mm-hmm. you know be polite don't use swear words or anything that's just gonna be triggering be be nice 
I like when I recently came into the situation before I could even really speak up, I was told that the that they were afraid to approach me because I get defensive automatically. And that was wrong. That's wrong for someone who's going through depression. That's wrong for someone who already is beating themselves up. Mm-hmm. Because then you're telling them that nothing they say can, I don't want to say like change their mind or argue their case, but you're just telling them that what they have to say or what they're feeling doesn't matter. So like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you kind of have to open it up with, with nicer words. Almost like compliments and, and stuff like that. Ease, ease the situation. Compliment know? sandwich. Compliment sandwich. <laughs> and everyone's different. Everyone handles it different. Yeah. But when you're in an emotional, distressful position and someone comes in with like a, a subtle jab, and to them it's not a jab, they're just trying to like, trying to figure out a way to balance it and make it relative to like what's going on. But to you it's a jab. They're like, you know, you did this for so long or, you know, you, you, this affected us this way. It's just like it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Mm-mm. So it's definitely helpful to have good friends there to politely talk to you. Like, hey, man, I noticed lately you've been kind of feeling sad. Like when I see you, is everything okay? You know, something like that. Or like, yeah, you, you just, you're not smiling as much. as Are you feeling okay? Is everything all right? Versus like, man, what you did last night, that pissed me off. Why'd you do that? And like, that, it's not going to work. Mm-mm. You know, it just doesn't do it. Yeah. And that's 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 the same logic with the whole internet mob of like, when someone says something you don't agree with, you just start attacking. It's like, why would that work? Just like it doesn't work in real life when someone needs to be talked to and, and have a good, polite intervention or just conversation. Same thing with the internet. It's not going to work with that either. It's all about the way you frame it. Like, yeah, anyone again, anyone that's going through a hard time, like interventions, this way on TV, they're always characterized as something that someone gets really, really upset about. Because... Yeah, like framing things in that serious demeanor. Obviously, there's some serious situations where it's appropriate and it's like, let's gather everyone to please talk to this person. But if it's like a small thing, maybe it's going on for like a month and it's not really hurting anybody, but it's annoying you, don't do not do that. Don't be like, oh my God, you're hurting me. Like, you're disregarding everything about me instead of it's like, well, I'm going through stuff right now. Like, and you know this. And they're open, you know, openly say, well, I know you're going through things, but this is what you're doing to me. Yeah. That's not going to make me feel like I need to change or I want to change. That's going to make me feel angry mm-hmm. and confused because all I'm thinking is the opposite of that is just trying to deal with what I'm going through right now and not trying to hurt anybody. It's it's a complicated thing. It's a complicated situation when you're approaching somebody that's very sensitive and going through stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why canceling doesn't doesn't work because maybe that person just needs help. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just need to take a break and they just need help. Maybe they're making bad decisions. They always have been, but now that they're in the public eye, it's more apparent. And they just need a therapist, friends and family. Maybe they take a break from social media. You know, or they need to get arrested if they did something really sure. really bad. Sure, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not like sugarcoating yeah. people's bad mistakes. Sometimes yeah. yeah, they need to be arrested. But I'm saying when it's just like something they said mm-hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't a crime. It was just something they probably shouldn't have said, and they apologize for it. And it's like, maybe they just need a little break and, like, have someone to talk to. I'm like, yeah, I'm not like that anymore. I've changed my ways. I don't speak like that, you know? 
But you know, there's some people that need to be arrested. Uh, there's a whole spectrum of these situations. Yeah. It's not just like A, B, or C. Like it's, it's not binary. It's everything not in between. Like yeah. everything's so, so different and so unique for so many different people. In every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. So things, I just feel like a lot of things shouldn't be treated like it's just A, B, C. When it comes to that stuff, obviously illegal stuff, you need to know. <laughs> Even the uh, levels of yeah. it being illegal. I mean, our judicial system has come oh up with God. different levels of illegal stuff, you know? Which is yeah. crazy because it's like so arbitrary sometimes. You're like, wait, so if I said this, I only get that type of slap on the wrist. But if I said that, I get a cuff on the wrist. And if I said that, I go to prison for a long time. If my like, skin is that color, and I said the same thing as that other guy, the mm-hmm. white guy, I go to jail, but he gets to go home with, like, house arrest for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Or if they have money, yeah, they get to pay bail. Although, oh. which they got rid of in this yeah. state, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. I have complained about that for a long time. Yeah. Because it makes no sense at all. It's like, so if you have money, you don't go to jail because you gave the government money to not go to jail. And you have to just show up to your court case. But if you don't have money, you have to sit in jail until your court case. It makes no sense on any level at all. Um, I don't know why it's still a thing anywhere. If you have money, you get to go home. If you don't, you have to suffer. Where does that have to do with law? Where is the law? Where is the ethics in that? Where is the rationale now other than the government just wants some free money? Just money. They just want money. But... There's some crimes that are really bad and you could still pay bail. It just might be a million bucks. And there's been people who have committed terrible crimes and they just they got to go home because they paid a million. I mean, they still have to go to back to court and stuff, but that could leave them open to do other crimes or flee the country. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, don't worry, they're a flight risk. We'll, we'll watch them. It's like people have cars. If someone's got a million dollars to pay bail, they have a million different ways to sneak out of this country. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. I could sneak out of this country. I got nothing. It's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it. it's not easy to uh, get over the Canada. Oh, money. It's just, there's a couple of forest preserves in the way of getting over the Canada. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, man, what time is it? Guess how long have they been doing this for? Two and a half hours. About two hours and 45 minutes. Whoa. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Just going over all the topics. <laughs> We've gone everywhere, eh? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about or touch on? Anything you want to promote? Um, hmm. Wow. It's back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm working on a music video right now, animated music video for this band called The Sweeps. They're here in Chicago. I've heard of them. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. working on a music video for them. Awesome. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That's the one where I was saying like, oh my God, it's taking so long to render and I haven't sent them the revision yet, but it's fine. Um. They're really, really, really sweet guys. So other than that, um, I am planning on hopefully having my first GIF art show in the summer. I haven't. It's like right now it's the idea, and then I'm planning it out in my head until maybe about next month once my month clears up a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, yeah, I can plan that out because I'm going to need, obviously, like multiple projectors, a big enough space, find some sponsors. Um, Sponsors for... For any like like beverages and even just for the space, like we have a I have a connect um, because of Babes Only, the nonprofit organization. We work with Jägermeister Lululemon. Like we have reps in the city that like can help us out maybe mm-hmm. with some water bottles or Jäger is like here, take some of our cold brew shots for your mm-hmm. party. You know, a How, couple chico. What kind of space would you like to do it in? Um, definitely, I think, like, a loft space. Like, Lacuna Lofts is, like, in my head the first thing I think about, but the realist 
like realistically getting that space um i don't know yet because i mm-hmm. have never done this before but i've always wanted to do this type of show but i feel like because of the art i do it's not envisioned like a lot of people don't envision it being a live show or anything like that because they mm. see it mostly on a computer screen or digital mm-hmm. but because i've been doing a lot of projection photography which is literally projecting visuals onto someone and taking the pictures i'm like this would be a great opportunity too for people to want to take pictures with my art mm-hmm. like it's a win-win for everybody you know is um, there a sonic element to it um djs djs but Espen and I are definitely going to start working on some stuff because he started producing more music um, and he's learning a lot more about like his writing and stuff. So definitely I talked about to him about doing some NFT like um, sonic art. Like so he makes the sounds and I make some cool art with it. Mm-hmm. That's so, cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, if you need if you need a sound systems, a, a sponsor for sound systems, let me know. OK. Yeah. I have a <laughs> music festival worth of sound systems to utilize and they just sit around my house oh yeah you know what we're i'm actually uh my old one of my old co-workers from my last job we're working on um she's she's working on a virtual music festival right now oh yeah i need to get more information on that but i know my boss from babes only is like helping her with that too very cool virtual music festival (laughs) i know right i can't wrap my head around it i'm just like i don't even know what that entails i've been asked so many times i'm just like i'm just gonna wait for when we could just go back and yeah. do it again <laughs> which it it might be possible in the fall yeah it, like this whole there's six months away from that this whole vaccine thing the summer the po- political climate everything's shifting the summer changes everyone's mentality like mm-hmm. last year's summer changed so many many people's mentalities everyone was outside and doing stuff again we almost thought it was over with by yeah. like august it like oh like this is great exist. yeah but no, it came back, like we thought. And there's stronger strains, apparently, so it's just... But then there's, like, apparently going to be 600 million vaccines by a certain date in the summer. I don't know. I keep hearing all these different things. Have you, know? you signed up to get one, or...? I don't know if I can you until... Yeah, there's... Pu- well, I did, um... I forgot the name of it. I have to find the link. I could send it to you, but it's, um, like, through Chicago, through the city of Chicago, and you can, like, RSVP, essentially, your spot. Mm. Um, because I have a pre-existing condition, um, I would be, right now they're in phase 1A or 1B. Mm-hmm. 1A is de- essential, like, frontline workers mm-hmm. and elderly, and then 1B is essential workers. So not, like, nurses and doctors, but anyone who's been deemed an essential worker. And elderly and then 1c is anyone with pre-existing conditions or elderly mm-hmm. and then 1d is where it's like everyone else got it so that's how they're doing it i'll probably i mean i i teach but i know right now they're not doing like uh, secondary education is any type of um gets on any type of list for whatever reason even though we should get universities back cps students had to go back today yeah, well, right. I'm thinking of college. like. But teachers in general. Yeah, teachers in general need to get all vaccinated, and, and all teachers should, from kindergarten, from preschool to a trade school to a university to a grad school to a f- eighth grade. Anybody who's educating anybody should be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know? Anyone that has to be around people because that's their job. Like, yeah. They should be able to be protected or at least some sort of protection because, you know, they don't – there's still like that the looming question like it's does it work is it gonna work for these new crazy strains that are coming out in California or like Oregon, mm-hmm. um, who knows? I'll, as soon as I can, I'll, yeah. I'll get back. I'm definitely not against it. I just I'm just waiting, just being patient, yep. waiting for when I can. You know, I mean, we get emails every day through work. I'm just kind of waiting to find out. Um, but until then, I just 
be as healthy as I can be, take my vitamins, eat well, hand sleep well. Hand sanitize like a maniac. <laughs> I never hand sanitize. Oh my God. I'm always hand sanitizing when I get out of the grocery store, before I go into the grocery store. I mean, like, then that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, if I go to the grocery store, I'm saying like in life. Oh. Because I'm like these, I hate to break it to you, everyone, but bacteria is good for you. It's how you've been alive this long. Mm-hmm. Um, you need it. You, you need to take that stuff. You don't want to over sanitize and you're not taking in any good germs and you need them. It's tricky. It's yeah. tricky. You know, my, I'm like, yeah, everyone's always like, ah, I sand up. My hands are all rough. I'm like, my hands are great. <laughs> Moisturized. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I wash my hands and sanitize when I'm when I go to and from places, but around the house and stuff, I'm just like, I don't know. What, what's I'm just here. wash my hands. Yeah, I'm here. Regular soap. <sighs> Uh, one more question for you. Yeah. Do you um, do you design like have you ever designed images for like tattoos and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, actually, it's funny. Like this is my drawing. Um. This is my drawing. I got another one back here. That's my drawing. Mm. This is my first tattoo. That's my drawing. That's cool. It beats. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. It, and you know what's funny is that was not the intention. I just it really? was my first. It was my first tattoo. I really was into anatomical hearts, and I loved drawing like them and body parts and stuff. And so, um, I drew it and was like, "What's a great spot for my first tattoo?" And it's my wrist. And later on in life, I'm just like, "Oh, I can make it beat. I can make it beat. It, it beats like that's so funny. That's cool. <laughs> and just the ones in your arms, nothing else. Um, there's this one. It's the astronomical symbols of the planets. Mm. Um, so I really love outer space. This one's La Luna from Loteria. And then I have a big Salvador Dali, like elephant, spider elephant on my ribs. Mm-hmm. And then this big flower piece on my side. But this one I didn't design, nor this one, because this mm. was Salvador Dali. And then this one was designed by the tattoo artist. Mm. Um, I want to get more, but I need to uh, save up some money. It's money. Yeah. I have none. No tattoos. I, I always think about it. Yeah. I'm on the fence. I'm waiting for, like, the right thing. I, I know, know someone who saved up money and then since November has gotten like 10 back-to-back tattoos. <laughs> like they're addicting and also like they've saved up however much they saved up to just keep getting tattoos this past like few months. So, so you like you like getting them? Yeah, um, definitely they hurt. Um, <laughs> not every spot hurts as much though as like my thigh. Oh my God. So that one I got done last summer and that one hurts. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> he had to keep putting, like, the numbing spray on my thigh, and um, it was a seven-hour session. Um, so that one hurt a lot. Seven hours? Mm-hmm. I was on the table for seven so hours. So you're just laying there in pain for seven hours? Yeah. Wow. It's wonderful. Discipline, huh? <laughs> Probably gives you a new perspective on life. Yeah, but then it's crazy because they're so addicting. Really? Yeah. Like, for some reason, you crave that pain again in some weird, sick way. That is sick. Sadistic. Yeah, but be- I think it's because of the results. You know, uh, like okay. the, the art afterwards, like you just see it every day and you're like, I love this tattoo. Like, I can't wait to get another one. Um, this one didn't hurt as much. Like my, my biceps didn't really hurt as much. This inner bicep definitely hurt because it's the skin. So it also depends on the skin on your body. Like the thinner skin mm-hmm. hurts way more. Mm. you know it's like by fat and stuff yeah um the wrist didn't really hurt i have one on my shoulder blade um and i i fell asleep i fell asleep like during this one you fell it was that not painful yeah i fell asleep (laughs) during my shoulder blade like i was at because i had a tattoo buddy and so it was so casual sometimes it'd be like hey yeah uh you want to give me a tattoo like let's go 
And this one's my drawing too. So they were so cool because they'd be like, hey, I want to get this drawing tattooed. I mean, you down? Like, yeah. And uh, my ribs, that was my, I got my ribs as my second tattoo. It was after a breakup and I was like, let's feel some pain, guys. <laughs> like, let's That's do this. That's how you deal with a breakup. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got the tattoo and um, it hurt. I was like a flopping fish on the table. Mm. I was like, just like, like twitching a lot. Um, and at one point he had to stop because his boss had a diabetic like attack, like coma or, or whatever, like midway through my tattoo. Luckily, McNeil was like, 10 minutes away so he went to go take him to McNeil really quickly and come back and then finish my tattoo and by that time my skin had started to swell oh no it hurt but I got it done <laughs> that's an interesting story for a tattoo yeah middle of it had to stop hospital come mm-hmm. back so you have like 10 yes 10 1 wait a minute I'm like counting so I got 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 yeah 11 11 I got 11 now yeah you want to give them for the rest of your life? Yep. I, for the longest time, I avoided getting them on my, like, forearms and stuff because when I was, like, 10 years ago, I was thinking, like, oh, what if I get a job? You're always told jobs. Want... You're always told that. Jobs, necks, anything above, like, neck and arms. Yeah, you're yeah. just like, oh, if you get a job and they don't want you. And now I'm like, what? But that was also before I realized how my career was going to be yeah. and that I was going to be an artist as a career. So it's like now I'm like. Most. I would say 99% of the jobs you would want to do or would do, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. And also, I feel like jobs are becoming more and more lenient mm-hmm. towards that. And it's not so much of a stigma anymore. As long as they're not, like, blatantly offensive or, mm-hmm. like, you know, disrespectful or just vulgar, I feel like a lot of jobs and companies, don't you know, care. don't care. Yeah. Um, And that was that was the purpose for, like, keeping my forearms clean. But now I'm, like ready for some sleeve action almost like i just want more and my arms are themed like my right arm is anything like spacey mm-hmm. and then my left arm is just more personal or like you know like i want to get a tattoo i had a pet bunny and she passed away in 2015 so i want to get a tattoo of her mm-hmm. on my arm yeah her name was chancho <laughs> <laughs> from nacho libre <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah okay i was like what's that from actually yeah uh that's cool so just anywhere you can do art you do it mm-hmm. that's great i really i really really enjoyed having you here thank you and i, I learned a lot too. about you because yeah. <laughs> i mean i've talked to you in passing a handful of times but mm-hmm. not not much right yeah um whenever i've seen you i've been busy with stuff you know and so thank you for being here and thank you for making the art you make i very much appreciate it. i very much enjoy it I, this how long is this video that's been displaying? Like, what's its loop? Um, I think it's it's about ten minutes of just an assortment of, like this one. This is the music video I worked on this summer. Mm. Um, and then it's like some of the most recent like reels on Instagram that I've been putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a couple of gifs. Um, I say gifs by the way. <laughs> I don't say gif. I never did. So, you know. I I never even really say the word out loud because mm-hmm. I never. I don't know. I just, so I'm just like, whatever people say, that's yeah. what I go with. GIF, GIF. <laughs> and, um, yeah, this is a... I was really proud of this one, so I figured I'd throw it in here because it's the longest thing I've made. But now this Sweeps music video is about five minutes. Cool. So that will be now the longest thing that I've animated. And I'm also set, like, um, creative directing a music video this month as well um, for a Latin artist named Lester Ray. And uh, that's going to be entailed of doing some motion graphics and stuff to be projected, but then also just overall, like, kind of storyline and, like, theming and stuff mm. like that. So I'm just 
I just like my brain. Just use my creative brain somehow. Like, I need to express it some different form. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I am where I'm at. That's good. So you have a lot of good freelance stuff coming up this mm-hmm. this spring at least. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Well, yeah. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I learned you... a lot about you too. Yeah? Yeah. This good. is great. Do you enjoy this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you weren't nervous or anything? No, I good, feel like good. I feel like I can totally be a chatterbox if good. I really want to. That's the whole point of this. Just me and you, you and a guest just talking and mm-hmm. just learning about each other, not really a prerogative or a direction, just kind of just going. Yeah. You know, just talking, expressing. I learned a lot about um, art and the, the female perspective, the other end of it, you know. It's mm-hmm. always, it's, it's been a weird uh, thing every time I've had a woman on this podcast in person they were always doing something creative and they've always had a lot of the same stories of men and issues with it and so oh those men <laughs> i think it's i think it's important for men to hear it yeah you know to if they haven't made those mistakes that's good keep doing that <coughs> try to inform your friends about it if they had made those mistakes recognize them apologize to people and don't do it anymore and move on and um that's why it's important to have different people on to, to talk about those things, you know. And just do the work too, like to show that the respect. Mm-hmm. You know, make the effort. Don't just apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, and then next day, like act like you didn't do anything to mm-hmm. make people feel offended or upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, show your work. Don't disregard people's feelings. Never. Everyone is a person just like you are, mm-hmm. regardless of your gender or your sex. You are a human being. You should be respected, and you sh- should respect others, mm-hmm. and uh, be thoughtful. Be a thoughtful, loving person. At the end of the day, that's all we need. That's all we need. Everyone needs to respect each other, and we just, that's it. Life life can be much better. mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, good. Well, ending on a positive note. Um, Do you want to plug your social media for anybody to follow or look at? Okay. um, So my (laughs) my Instagram, I'm thinking of my name spelling, (laughs) but it's uh, it's D-Y-A-N-A-P-Y-E-H-C-H-E-K. Usually, if you just type the D-Y-A-N-A part, my I'll come up. I have blue hair, everybody, right there. My picture has blue hair, so I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it. And if not, if you just type in, like, my full name, the Diana, D-I-A-N-A, and then my crazy last name, um, in Google, you'll find, like, my website. It usually comes up right away. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Diana, for being here. Thank you I had for a wonderful time. Me. You're a great person, great artist. Keep doing what you do. And one day, you'll be back on. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. You too.